jocks, babes, and mascots, a cutthroat cheerleading squad, and you know what they say about the families that kill together? Stay together. We watch Varsity Blood. We watch it so you don't have to. So you know what time it is. What's up, Moon Goons? Welcome to the Horrible Horror Podcast, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies. Movies so bad they're scary. I'm your host, Mr. Marshall Hampton. Joining me on a very special episode today is my co-host, my buddy, Mr. Aaron Southworth. Aaron, how are you doing today? Feel a little rough. Uh, had a, had a, had a, I ran a 5K yesterday. That part wasn't the hard part. It was all the beer and chili I consumed afterwards. Yeah, we had, uh, we had a bit of a night last night, didn't we? But I'm... <laughs> But I'm, I'm here. I'm here, man. I'm feeling good. That's great. I'm glad you're here. And you, he's not the only one here today. Like I said, it's a special episode. Join us today is an old friend of ours. We, we've, we've been trying to get him on the show for years, but scheduling hasn't been worked out till finally now. It's happened. You've seen him in such things as Tiffany and, Chuck, or Tiffany and Chucky, Supergirl, Superman, World War. She was in Death House, which is one of our worst of the worst champions from last year. Uh, the Campus, uh, the Haves and the Tyler Perry's Haves and Have Nots. The upcoming 16 bits, the brand new Creeping Darkness, and and uh, the funny ass uh, Hulu show Future Man, where he plays Bro uh, Blaze. He's actor, model, bodybuilder extraordinaire, Greek god Adonis, our friend, our pal, Mr. St. Louis native himself, Big Kev 50 Cow, Kevin Caliber. Welcome to the show, finally. It's so awesome What's to up, get boys? you on the show. <laughs> Yeah, it has been a minute, you know, every time we try to do it when we're in St. Louis, but it doesn't seem to happen and go figure it took a pandemic and us uh, <laughs> recording one from thousands of miles away to make it happen. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But the technology of Zoom made it possible. Uh, yeah. Like I said, otherwise, we we're just trying to hit you up when you're actually in town. One, But uh, so this has been great. Uh, yeah. Again, I want to say thank you so much for joining. It's super excited to have you here. We're excited to do this. Uh, this movie, we kind of uh, this week's movie kind of. Picked it out for you, kind of thought what would you might enjoy, what would relate to you, and you're one of the most uh, athletic jack guys we know. So we figured, why not a movie called Varsity Blood about a fucking football team? Because uh, I'm sure you probably played rocks in high school football back in your days here in St. Louis um, before you went on to be the amazing mar- like Marines and yeah, I, I actually shit. have a St. Louis question then. What high school did you go to? <laughs> Ooh, I was a Melville guy. And speaking of varsity football, we were state champs my senior year. Uh, so, yeah, kind of a big deal there. We won it the exact same year as the Rams did. And we did it on the Rams field, which was super cool. Unfortunately for me, I broke my I shattered my leg whenever I was in high school. So I did not get to play. But it was my team. I promise I did play <laughs> on that team. At one time, it was all my boys going at it. And Yes, I could have gone varsity blood and vowed revenge for, you know, not being able to be on the team, even though even though I was the, you know, defensive end, you know, I, I missed out on that state title. I should have I should have went on the murder spree. That, just, that was my next question. Eliminated them all. Uh, yeah, they couldn't have they couldn't have gotten there without you, man. 
Yeah, I don't know. One, it's good to see Kevin wearing, also wearing a St. Louis shirt today. But uh, so you you were a D end. So you were a, that's what you just said. You were a D end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, defensive end. It was kind of funny. I was a I was a big ass kid. You know, I was uh, I, I was a big ass kid. And then as everybody else got bigger, I got I seemed to stay the same size. So so like I, I like I'm large for Hollywood. I'm six foot one. You know, ro- rolling you know just below two hundred pounds. But in the defensive end world, that is uh, that is not very big. Right. And right. So I, I went from defensive end to linebacker. Eventually, it would have been safety, and eventually, it would have been like the uh, you know special teams or something. <laughs> but uh, but you know that that's okay. I was a big kid, and I took advantage of my size as a kid. That's for sure. But you know what? Even four yeah. stringers get a ring. So hey, <laughs> uh, that's that's right. <laughs> yeah, and and being and being from St. Louis, I do have a few, just a few St. Louis questions. Just kind of keep you on your toes. Devin's have gotten too LA on us. So yeah, that's here- right. <laughs> Here, here we go, okay? All right. Which park is home to such St. Louis institutions as the St. Louis Zoo, St. Louis Art Museum, and the Muni? Is it Forest Park, Central Park, Tower Grove Park, or Susson Park? Oh, you know, I do not even need the multiple choice. I know the park well. I did my marathon training there. I can tell you that Forest Park is 6.7 miles around. It also has the Jewel Box and a lot of other very cool places to see in there. Highly recommend you're in St. Louis, got to go to Forest Park. Uh, it I beats agree. the hell out of Griffith Park anytime. Out here in L.A., we got Griffith Park, the observatory, and the Hollywood sign. Does not hold a candle compared to Forest Park in St. Louis, Missouri. Man, this is right. big words. I All love right. it. I love it. Yeah, I don't think he needs so, multiple choice, man. You're making it. That's too easy. Hope you don't okay, have... okay. All right. You say All that right. now. The next one, I'm going to be stumped. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll give you a lifeline the... then. All right, next question. The Hill is a St. Louis neighborhood famous for what type of culture and ethnicity? Oh, Italian all the way. My favorite part about the Hill, outside of the uh, Italian food, of course, is the fire hydrants. I absolutely love that they're painted (laughs) like Italian flags. They stand out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, I got kind of a – this one might be a little tougher. This is horror-related. All right. Where are you? There we go. One of the nation's most famous exorcisms that inspired both the book and film versions of The Exorcist took place in St. Louis at a St. Louis hospital. Which hospital is it? Now, I'll give you multiple choices. This one might be kind of tough. Yeah, Mount St. Sure. Rose Hospital, Jefferson Hospital, Alexian Brothers Hospital, or St. Louis Children's Hospital. Let's go Alexian. Total guess. Boom. Check out the hey. big brain on Kev. Hey, when in doubt... See it out. <laughs> you go with option number three when you don't have a clue. That's that is true. I, that's I did that throughout high school and college a lot. Just uh, don't know pixie. <laughs> it gets, that's it, how I became. That's how I became a nurse. <laughs> that's scary. Uh, so I think that's that's pretty much it. You know, there's some other ones, but uh, you know, three for three, man. That's that's pretty perfect right there. Wonderful. Think- yeah. If we want to talk about horror, I'll, I'll make a. A very, very, very slight connection. It's not much of a connection, but I've always been fascinated with the Lemp Brewery and Lemp family. And I really yeah. wish that they would do a movie about that because it's there's so much history to it. And there's just way too much for it to be a coincidence. So I would love it if somebody actually did and really do it right. And I say I have a very, very slight connection, not much whatsoever. My only connection is that we filmed part of our film, Superman World War, at the old Lemp 
brewery. Not at, not at the brewery, but it's like a campus with lots of buildings. And, and apparently one of the buildings fell down recently, yeah, I guess, yeah. which is, mm-hmm. which is I'm not sure where it is in the campus, but for anybody who's seen Superman World War, whenever there's the Superman uh, mutant Nazi fight, that takes place at the Lent Brewery. So that's pretty cool. And another St. Louis thing, anybody who's St. Louis out there, another St. Louis tradition is my favorite St. Louis deli of all time is Ruma's Deli. And the gentleman playing the mutant Nazi is actually Brock Ruma, third generation owner of Ruma's Deli in South County, right up the street from my high school, Melville. And uh, yeah, there's a new one out in St. Charles, Ruma's Deli, great sandwiches. Anybody around there, seriously, best sandwich in uh, St. Louis is the Gerber at Ruma's Deli, no doubt. If you haven't had it, you are truly missing it. I guess I'm missing I, I, out. I will have to go do that because that you, I, that makes me want to go try it out right now. Actually. I'm a little more partial to Mom's Deli myself, but I'm going to have to check it out. Okay, yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with Mom's. <laughs> but I love the idea of a movie on the Lemp Mansion and, and the Lemp family and all that because there's so much, in, you're right, like, there's so much interest in history and stuff that's going on there that, and I'm stunned there hasn't been a good movie made about that um, and I think I, I do believe that needs to, that needs to happen someday. Uh, and, and it's a crime that it hasn't happened already. Uh, yeah, so I'm glad that's really cool. You brought that up. I think it's a great idea. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's suicides, murders, insanity, uh, that just plague this family. It's, it's really interesting stuff. And yeah, now yeah, it's haunted one of the most I mean, haunted sites in the country. Yeah, they they do they, they they still do the the haunted mansion or whatever they do. They did uh they did I think it was a haunted yes. well, there was the dinner theater, all the all the different mm-hmm. things during Halloween. Yeah, during they, this time of year there's the so Lemp, much cool. uh the Lemp Mansion Haunted House uh brewery uh has been they're not doing it this year because of COVID because of the because it's like a lot of it was the underground, the crypts area, like in the underground where they kept all the beer. On, in the caverns catacombs so that they, they're not doing this year but a lot of the other stuff you know still they still do and have still been doing in the past and it's been really a cool uh and last and, they always have like a really cool yeah. halloween party there costume party yeah uh, that's been a lot of fun we've gone to it uh it's, it's a blast to go there uh, again this year i'm pretty sure it's canceled for due to the, yeah the vid the covid um the damn covid all right, so let's let, let's get into this week's uh, movie here. Let's get back to Varsity Blood. This thing was released on August nineteenth of two thousand fourteen. Uh, you can find it on Amazon Prime and Tubi. They're free on both, so you might as well watch it on Prime because you won't have commercials or anything there. Uh, it's written and directed by Mr. Jake Helgren. Uh, this guy's got twenty six credits as a director. Almost all of them are made for TV movies, and most of those are all either lifetime Christmas movies or like other like lifetime thriller movies, like, you know, stuff like that, like psycho co-ed babysitter. It's weird stuff. Like it's not like real horror, just like it's all lifetime stuff. Uh, but this is like his one, like, you know, we're divergent to that, like where he just kind of went off uh, and did his own thing. Uh, cast. And there's not a whole lot of people in the cast. We're going to mention, I'm, I'm only going to bring up two people. Uh, the first one I'm going to bring up is uh, D- uh, Diane Sanchez is played by, Ellie Lamont, she's got 46 credits to her name, one of the more experienced people in this cast. Uh, she's been in some bigger movies and some bigger stuff that people might have actually known or seen of. She's in uh, Alita Battle Angel, where she played Screwhead. She's in the horror mo- thriller movie Mercy Black. She was also in From Dusk Till Dawn, the TV series, where she played Karina. And she was also in uh, with Danny Trejo. She was in Machete Kills, where she played Dollface. Um, 
And then lastly, the other person I'm going to mention is uh, Nancy Wallace. And the character of Nancy Wallace is played by a horrible horror Hall of Famer, Debbie Roshan. Debbie Roshan. Debbie Roshan <laughs> is back uh, again. She makes another appearance on our show. Uh, you, she's been in movies that we've done on the show. Santa Claus, Killer Rack, Death House with Kevin Calvin. Of course, Death House. Death House. That's right. <laughs> um, and a lot more. And here's one I didn't realize because we did this so long ago, so many years ago, that she wasn't a Hall of Famer back then, and I didn't realize she was in it because she had a, a cameo role. But she was in Poultry Geist, where she had a cameo oh. as famous actress hit by beer. That was her character. So it was just a real quick cameo. <laughs> but she was also in Poultry Geist, uh, which I didn't even realize years ago. So uh, that's really all I'm going to mention. Uh, I, I'll say it now because I might forget. Our lead girl, Hannah, uh, I forget who she's played by. But I was kind of surprised. She does a pretty decent job for, like, it's like her only acting job or career move right now and like this is it like one and done i believe or maybe she had a small handful of things after this but she did a pretty decent job i thought for for not having a whole lot of uh experience behind her belt so i just want to give her credit um right now before i forget later so the movie itself we open with someone making like a scrapbook of newspaper clippings about a cheerleader who was killed and uh and we also see him like xing out like you know like the crazy man so he's like xing out cheerleaders faces or other cheerleaders in, in another picture and that's the opening and then we go to uh the local hog eye high school uh that's the name of the city or town hog eye uh where the cheerleaders are practicing on the field along with like the mascot who's like dipping around behind him and there's some football players in the background uh after the practice we see the players fucking with the mascot a bit kind of tease them kind of push them around uh, we meet our main girl, uh, Hannah, Hannah, it's just Hannah, who, who's the cheerleader along with, we also meet Jeff, who is like, I guess the team manager or the water boy or something. Uh, and we instantly know that he has a crush on her. He's really into her. Uh, but I guess he hasn't told her yet or they're not dating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, right. He's, he's an athletic trainer. It says trainer. Uh, okay. I, I missed that. Yeah. Part. He's just there. Which, which, which I've done before, uh, with the, for a uh, slew high before. Uh, just make sure that anytime a player gets hurt, you can bandage them up, take care of them, you know, stitch, you know, if they if they get too banged up, you're there, you're the first medical person on hand. Right. Now, Kevin, I got a question for you. You played football. Shoot. Was it ever common to have cheerleaders practicing on the same field as football players at the same time? I never remember seeing that once. I think we would have been way too distracted and right. I, it, it never happened. Yeah. We had a practice field. I don't know where they were. Maybe they were in the gym. I don't know. I, that's what I we definitely didn't have them right there. Yeah. I, you see it in the movies all the time, but I'm pretty sure they never, like, they're never actually practicing the same for the exact reason. Distractions, just other things like the safety reasons. Yeah. I, I, you never see that yeah. in real life. I could, I could see how you could be distracted by a bunch of uh, late twenties chicks on the field, you know, playing <laughs> high school students, but yeah, but they're easy on the eyes. Yeah, it, it, is, it is such a popular uh, movie trope, though, because it's so easy to just get that one insert shot of the wide of the guy jogging over, pulling off his helmet and then saying something. You don't even need the dialogue. It's just that that shot there says so much. You know, like, oh, something something's bad and something's going to happen. <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah, up comes her, that, as Kevin said, that basically what happens, up comes her football player, jock boyfriend, Blaine, and fellow head cheerleader, Tina, uh, and they, and they all start talking about this, the school's Halloween dance party, and then some after party, or some other party they're going to do instead, um, it doesn't really matter right now, but, it, you know, we'll talk about it later, if it, when it comes up, uh, Jeff and Hannah have to go stop some other football players from picking on Herman, who is the kid in the mascot costume, because they haven't, like, 
they're hanging him like upside down off the bleachers again. Like, like this, it's just absolutely ridiculous stuff that I don't think you'd ever actually see in a high school going on. But it's just, it's it's, it's just ridiculous. Uh, the mascot though is like an Aztec or May- Mayan like warrior type thing. Uh, very very Native American like like Central American type type. Uh, I guess Indian warrior get up. Um, now through the rest of this opening scene, we are pretty much introduced to the rest of our main cast. Um, I, real quickly, there's Heather, the blonde girl who kind of becomes like the, I don't want to say the goody two shoes, but she's the more, um, she's very pretty. She's one of the, she's really good looking girl, but she's more like, I guess more, uh, kind of in, not necessarily introverted, but, uh, how, Aaron, help me out here. I'm telling you, I guess I'll say she, she's more the naive type naive, but yeah, kind of a, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's easy to label her that we've quick, quickly learned. It's easy to label her as like the virgin, but it's definitely yeah. more of the, the innocent type. Yeah. Thank you. There we go. Uh, then we have Vicky, who's like one of the, the one of the few non cheerleader girls there and is Heather's stepsister. We'll learn later, but let's get that out now. We have Linda who is the black girl. And then there's some other jocks who at this point, I really, really know their names, but they're also kind of running around in the football getups. So those are some of our main characters. Uh, we cut to Blaine dropping Hannah off at her house. Uh, he gets upset because she hasn't asked her mother yet about going out to the, I guess, surprise part of this, this other party going on. And we learn that Hannah's mom's kind of like a stick in the mud about that kind of stuff and never really allows her to stay out past curfew. And she's very strict with the rules. Um, so Hannah just pretty much gives up and tells them, you know, like, you know what? Fine. F it. I'm going to go. Uh, I'll figure it out. And we just jump back to school where Diane who is the captain of the cheerleading team or co-captain is in the locker room, taking a shower. Uh, unfortunately, no nudity in this scene, just some like a back shot. Um, but this girl is beautiful and gorgeous girl. Great body. Um, she hears a noise thinking it's Blaine. She's like, Hey Blaine, you better get in here. Now remember Blaine is supposed to be Hannah's boyfriend. So, uh Oh, there's some shit going on. Then, you know, with Blaine in there and he's not being the, a good boy. Um, Diane gets out of the shower, starts getting dressed. Sally said, like I said, no nudity, but, um, and she, again, she hears another sound and she starts looking around a bit, but gives up pretty quickly. She goes back to getting dressed and we see the mascot now standing there in the shadows, holding a tomahawk, a very large tomahawk, gigantic tomahawk. Uh, the mascot walks up to Diane who of course thinks it's Herman. It's like, you know, Herman, get out of here. You pervert. You just whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she reaches for her cell phone. And like, I'm going to call your mother, which is kind of a weird uh, threat to make in high school. Like, I'm going to call your mom. Like, like, that's a weird thing. All right. So at this point, the mascot with his tomahawk chops down and shatters her phone with his, uh, in one swing with the, hand, with the tomahawk and then like swings at Diane, but she's like, luckily she actually dodges out of the way of this thing, <laughs> uh, and, and runs out of the locker room into the gymnasium. She runs across the basketball court and slips in a pool of blood falls down she looks up and sees someone's severed head hanging in the basketball net which is kind of cool i don't really know who it is i'm assuming maybe it's supposed to be herman but we never really know it's never explained you never find out whose head it actually is i do like this scene i like it when she's running across that wide shot they use when she's running across the um gymnasium and she when she falls i'm like god damn it she tripped over nothing but then they show that she slipped in a giant pool of blood. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought I'm, the same I'm, thing, I'm too. In. I thought the same thing. Um, so, uh, Diane, she ends up getting grabbed now from behind, uh, and she just gets her throat slashed but with the tomahawk. The mascot comes up behind her and slits, slits her throat with the, the edge of the tomahawk blade. Um, she's dead. Uh, but fun fact, like I said about the girl who plays Diane, um, Ellie Lamont, or Ellamont, 
at the time she filmed this, she was 33 years old playing an 18 year old. She did look very developed. Yeah, like I say, she she kept it yeah. tight for 33 minutes. She kept it tight yeah. at that time to play pull off an 18. And you you mentioned you mentioned this earlier about her being uh, you know very very attractive and and I was expecting that that became the standard that was going to be. And I was very disappointed for the rest of the movie because I thought that this was going to be the standard of what the women are going to look like. And then whenever she didn't show anything, you're yeah. okay. Well, you know, that, that, that's a bummer. And then oh. I thought it was just going to be a non-nudity movie. Did they yeah. talk about, did, did you guys mention the strategically placed bag when she was in the shower? I, oh, we didn't mention, I just such mentioned, a great shot. It is a great shot. I didn't even mention I just said there was no, you know, I said there was no, uh, no news scene. It was just, it's a back shot, but yeah, her, her, Duffel bag, her gymnastics bag is on the, on a bench, blocking her ass, and it was very like, they, very they, Austin Powers. They, they went to it multiple times. Too. Yeah, it wasn't just once. It wasn't just the establishing, right. but they went back to that shot. Yeah, they were um, proud of that one. But you do see her in a <laughs> in her bra a, a bra and underwear or bra and pants, and again, like I said, she looks great. She keeps it tight. Um, so we jump to the next day at the school where Coach Randall, the cheerleading coach, is talking to her cheerleading squad as they stretch and get ready for like the big pep rally. Um, I actually, again, I want to say, I kind of really like the face paint slash makeup that all the cheerleaders are wearing for this. Oh, the, masks, the mask makeup was very cool. I yeah. Really it's like, like this orange and black, like war paint across the eyes. It looks really cool. Like it's kind of awesome. Like I love it. I, I that thought was, I wish like our cheerleaders did shit like that in high school. It was so cool. Um, uh, while they all talk, you know, and sit around stretch, we see the mascot standing in the corner behind us, like right there. He's not hiding. He's just standing there. Uh, but everyone is just assuming that it, it's Herman and they pay him no mind. It doesn't, they just kind of ignore him. Uh, so the prep rally starts. And at this point, so do the opening credits. So we're like five, six minutes into the movie, maybe more now where we finally get the opening credits. Um, they roll over a montage of the cheerleaders doing like their little pep rally dance for the student body and the football team. Uh, we also get introduced to the, our other main character, Robin, who is one of the students. And I think she's like a photographer or something. I guess she's like works for the yearbook. Cause always you see her, taking pictures of everything all the time. Um, so I, I'm assuming it's for like yearbook stuff. Um, the mascot walks up to Hannah after it's all over and pulls his mask off. And we see it's Jeff in the costume, surprisingly. Uh, she's like, where's Herman? And Jeff's like, oh, he's at a co- he texted me and said he's at a comic book con- a comic convention and asked me to fill in for him last minute. So that's the excuse the movie's going with right now to explain Herman's missing. Um, again, so I'm assuming his head's the one that's in the bat we saw in the basketball net. Uh, huh. the- so that's if if it is his head in the basketball net, that means the killer would probably have to you know get the guy's phone, uh, send him a text message, let him know that where, where the costume is and everything. So it's it it you know of course we're, like we're going to mention it's going to be kind of a who done it you know like who's the killer kind of you know yes uh, and and so it's kind of leading you in one direction. It's probably a student. Uh yeah it, it's it's kind of but then but uh, then we the principal of the school he takes the mic at the podium. And he wants to take a moment of science to remember the tragedy that happened last year, the tragedy that befell his loving daughter, Ginny, getting killed, who was also a cheerleader. Um, so we kind of, you know, you get a little like, oh, okay, so the girl who died that we saw in the opening credits or the opening scene where he, the, the, the uh, newspaper clippings was the principal's daughter and was also a cheerleader. So after all this is over, the girls are heading out to the parking lot. Hannah starts to ask questions about who Ginny was because Hannah, Hannah, I keep saying Hannah, is relatively new to school. She's been here for a few months, maybe a year, but she came in after Hannah died and after all that. So she doesn't really know much. So Tina, the bitchy one, tells her to forget it, that she was no one. 
and just tells the girls to be at the field at 630 sharp and then just walks off. So, so something's up, you know, they're trying to cover up or, or, or dodge these questions about Hannah. Uh, real, real quick, yeah. real quick. I got, I got just a question for you guys. Are these people just, I mean, just both the guys and the girls later on the guys too. Is everyone just horrible to each other? I mean, off the charts, horrible to each other. <laughs> uh, they're they're so mean. Like you expect the one girl to be a bitch, but then the other girl's a bitch, and then everybody. By, by yes. The- <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like you, you normally you you kind of expect you're going to get like the bitchy cheerleader characters. That's there's like every horror movie, every high school movie. The cheerleaders there's always the bitchy ones. Like the, the captains are just mean to everybody. And we saw that with Diane. Not so much Diane. Cause she was she didn't really speak much, but definitely Tina by far. Uh, but yeah, everyone's kind of bitch. They're all kind of bitch to each other, except for like Hannah, who is kind of relatively nice, and uh, Heather. But everybody else is yeah, just real bitchy and mean I mean, to each even, other. Even the guys. I mean, yeah, I mean, guys kind of like to go fuck yeah, fuck you, motherfucker, ha ha ha. But it's like they're just saying some really hurtful, spiteful things to each other. I'm like, man, this, this must be a small town. There must be no one else to hang out with. Because yeah, I mean, come on. If you live in a, a, a small town named Hall Guy, I think you probably you have some. Yeah, Hall Guy. Hall Guy. Um, so anyway, the, the main, all the main group, they all go off and do various things. They leave, and it leaves Hannah and uh, Robin again. Hannah again asks Jenny who, or asks Robin who Jenny was, and it cuts to Robin, Hannah, and Robin's boyfriend. At this point, name unknown to me. Um, sitting, Bubba. yeah, I find that to be much later. It's Bubba, but at this point, I'm like, I don't know. Bubba is. or Bo, yeah, it's Bubba, yeah, Bubba. Um, and they're sitting on a park bench by a lake or something like that, really picturesque scene. And Robin starts telling Hannah the story about Ginny, how she was killed last year before Hannah moved here. Uh, Ginny, who was friends with everyone, everybody loved her. She was also a cheerleader who was killed in an alcohol related accident. That's all they say. And then we learned that Hannah's dad was also killed some time ago in a drunk driving accident. So that's where they're kind of tiptoeing around this. So they didn't want to upset Hannah's feelings because they're both alcohol-related deaths. So Robin and Bubba continue on the story saying that Jenny's boyfriend, Ben Youngblood, took her death really hard. Ben's father, Rick, Rick now just happens to be dating Hannah's mom um, as well. It gets real convoluted here. It gets, it gets confusing. But Ben had a younger <laughs> brother named Mark. Uh, as well, Ben then snapped and ended up going to like what they call rehab, which is weird because I don't know why you go to rehab for like mental problems. <laughs> That's more like drugs and alcohol, not just like you went psycho, you don't go to rehab for that. But anyway, they say he goes to rehab for abusing prescription drugs that used to belong to his mother who had committed suicide. There's so much to unpack. I know here. it's so it's so much exposition just dumped on you well, right even now. The, even though seven minutes in that conversation, I got lost so many times, and I'm just yes. with, watching with my girlfriend. Like, wait, who's this? Wait, and how? What? Huh? Again? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm, saying, I'm not the one. It's it's insane how much exposition just dumped on you. Uh, and now, then they say Ben is now at some mental institution where he just sits in a white room painting pictures of Ginny all day, every day. Um, Hannah looks over, sees something moving in the trees, and this pretty much puts an end to the conversation. They just get up, they leave, scene over. Uh, we cut to Linda now lying on Heather's bed, reading a magazine as Heather tries on her new bra and panty set that she bought to impress Peter, who is one of the jock guys that she's had a crush on for like years now. Um, Linda basically says that Peter tells Heather that Peter's more into her stepsister Vicky than her. And we hear that Heather's the virgin girl at this point. And Linda says that sex with Heather 
would be equivalent of shooting a bunny and the fact that it would be nothing but guilt-ridden sex for and I'm like that is fucking harsh to say <laughs> yeah, that somebody's supposed to be your friend. That's like, hard. God damn, that's fucking harsh. <laughs> that's um, what I'm talking about. These people are just just <laughs> so, um, and if I'm being honest, yeah, she is way, way, way hotter than the stepsister as well. So. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Heather's gorgeous. Would you rather have the beautiful virgin, or would you rather have the rundown stepsister? <laughs> the snarky, yeah, the snarky stepsister. Yeah, I, I preach to the choir on that one, man. I'm, I'm on your boat there. Um, we're gonna skip ahead a bit. To Hannah's house, where we see her mother, like I said, played by a horrible horror hall of famer Debbie Roshan, downing some pills. Um, Heather is in her room, or not Heather, Hannah is in her room getting ready when her mom says, like, hey, come down here, I want to talk to you. Um, Debbie tells Hannah that she doesn't want her to go out after the big game tonight, that she wants her to come straight home. Uh, they, there's, now there's a dinner scene. They sit around to eat dinner. They talk back and forth about Hannah wanting to go out, while mom's like, no, I don't want you to go out. It, it's a back and forth thing. Um, but Hannah's actually very respectable to her mom. She doesn't yell at her mom or anything like that. It's very, very respectable yeah, conversation. She mentions, she mentions that she wants you to come home because there's a big storm coming. Yeah, she does say a big storm. Yeah, um, and also it's 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 decorated awesomely. I don't know about you guys, but I thought the Halloween motifs that uh, Debbie Roshan put out, choice. <laughs> 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 yeah, I forgot to make this. Is, uh, I did forget to mention the top of the show. Like, yeah, we are in our our Halloween October month of movies now. And this movie does actually supposed to take place on um, on Halloween as well. Um, they just don't do a, they, they mention it here or there, but it's not that much focused on. But it is a Halloween movie technically. So uh, at one point, Debbie does tell Hannah that she could have cheered. This is a weird conversation. She goes into like, I could have cheered for the Dallas <laughs> Cowboys, Cowboys, but instead I married your father, who is no longer here. How dare he go off and die on me, basically? And then she's and Debbie says. That basically that doesn't want Hannah to throw her life away like she did over a boy, which is again pretty fucking harsh if you think about it because it's like I threw my life away and miserable when I married your father, who she Hannah loves, and also and then having you as a kid like that's just saying like you fucked my life over. You and your dad ruined my life. I could have been a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Like that's <laughs> a horrible thing to say to your daughter. Oh. Terrible. <laughs> But this conversation goes on for a bit, and but ends when Hannah finally leaves for the uh, for the big game, uh, and then Debbie saying, "Come straight home," you know, it's like you better come home, right? You know, it's for your own good, and she really, really emphasizes it's for your own good for her to come straight. So home. I, I I looked up because she really lays it on thick that she could have been a cowboy cheerleader. Uh, I looked it up. I was like, how much do cheerleaders actually make? They make next to nothing. No, nothing, nothing. Yeah, it, n- nothing. It's not even a part time job. It's like it's like a third job is something you do on like the side because you love it and want to make the extra a few extra bucks um and the funny thing is about dallas Cowboys, i forget what it was on like the country music tv or fucker's lifetime or there's i forget what channel it was but years oh the ago, be the cheerleader yeah, they, there TV was a show? there was a reality show about people yeah. actually trying out to be a dallas cowboy cheerleader like they made a whole reality show on this like making the squad or something like that was the name of it i don't know but it was ridiculous it's it was insane um I, I kind of even made the world. I just wa- I actually watched that show then, didn't I? Um, <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> fuck. Uh, I was, it was out of curiosity. Um, yeah. Uh, so we cut back to the big game. You know, it's the big game. Yeah, Pike Rats, so Friday night big game. The park, the game's over. There's a short 
short football montage, very, very short. Oh, play. I got I got to give him credit for all those stolen shots that the filmmakers made. You could tell that it's just a guy with a camera inside of his jacket because they're all <laughs> bad angles. It's like a different grain of film. They're just like like he zoomed out like. <laughs> Like, you know that nobody, they, there is not a permit. There's not, nobody knows that it's actually right. being filmed. Like, they just, <laughs> they stole it. And hats off to the indie filmmakers for that. Good move. <laughs> I, I, I'm proud of you. You did it. That's awesome. I, I didn't even pick up on that. I mean, yeah, the angle, I do. Now you say that angles are kind of like low to the ground, kind of like hiding or something. But yeah, you're probably right. That's a great call. Uh, I did, but I, did. I thought, I thought it was nice to actually see a legit football scene in an actual independent horror movie, because we've watched a lot of indie horror movies where the football scenes are like, you know, just completely off. One of them, they didn't even have their same uniforms. Everyone's wearing different yes! uniforms and different I, stuff. I can't remember yeah. what movie, but like every every uniform was different. The helmets were different. Not a single one of them matched. It was hilarious. Yeah, or the that ones where you see these three. vast... I love the vast wide shots where you see big crowd scenes that they're clearly like stock footage. And then it shows two people having a conversation. There's like three people on and, and they're just up against a wall. And you're like, you're in a stadium. There's no wall. <laughs> so um, uh, our, our main group now, they're out in the parking lot. They're celebrating their big win over their rival. Um, the Mustangs, I believe it is. Uh, at this point, Debbie, Rick, and Rick's son, Mark, show up to bring Hannah home. Hannah asks, hey, I just want to go out for a burger with my friends. You know, I just want to go out for a burger. Blaine will drive me home. After some back and forth, Debbie says, okay, fine. You have 30 minutes to go eat and get home. 30 <laughs> minutes. Like, that's not time to do anything, but sure. So, so rude. Uh, so they take it. And, and as soon as Debbie and Rick leave, we learned that Hannah basically plans on ignoring her mom. It's like, fuck it. I'm going out with the others to Tina's party at some old local farm out on the outskirts of town somewhere. So, uh, Rick, Rick, really quick. Yeah. Rick has a beard here. Yes. At this moment. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, but Rick has a beard. No. Did he? Does he have a beard? Yeah. He might be like he some stubble. I don't know if it's a full beard. It's not like it's. it's I, thought, I thought he looked like fucking Grizzly Adams. He no, like a it's, it's not, it's, no, no, he doesn't. There's no way does he have a beard. That it's, it might be like a little beard like you have right now or some stuff, but it's not like a full on <laughs> lumberjack Civil War beard. Um, That's what I thought. Uh, oh, pff, fuck. Uh, Either way, yeah, I was I was mesmerized by his delivery of lines. It was he there there was some amazing actors in this one, but he was by far my favorite. Oh, he just, it was yeah. it was painful. Yeah. It was uh, I mean, th 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 this part in the beginning was one thing, but obviously way later on we'll we'll get to that, but yeah, yeah. it was he well, was something else. I have a clip of Rick for later in the later in the episode. But yes. yeah, his his this Rick's delivery <laughs> of his lines are so bad. And his the accent the Southern Texas accents are so thick in this oh, movie so and, and, and overdone. I don't know if they're just overdone or that that extra accents are just so thick and oh it's 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 a trip. I, it's definitely a trip to listen to these people try to deliver their lines. Um, so after a shot between Tina and the town sheriff, who also turns out to be Linda's dad, uh, like some of these I'm kind of skimming over because they're not all that important right now. Um, so, but yeah, the town sheriff is also Linda's dad. And we cut back to the sheriff looking at nude pics on, like, a tablet or something in his squad car, which is kind of funny. So, um, 
All right, going good for him, I guess. I, w- I was surprised by that. I go, oh, they aren't having nudity in this movie. That's weird that they would have that, but they wouldn't have the girl earlier. It's like, who's, it, you know, like, give, that, give me that opening credits, best looking girl in the movie. Yeah. Over tablet in the cop car. Yeah, this nudity the, the is cop, like. I feel like we're supposed to like this cop. I feel like he's the he's the good guy here. He's like the, but but he's in his, he's he's on the job in the middle of his shift looking at porn in his car so it's just all of his integrity is completely out the window at this point yeah it, right that's a good point because he is kind of like you know he's kind of a very likable guy he's kind of chill. yeah he's, 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 he's got a great voice too i really did like the cop's voice yes so in, in a way he's he's literally playing like the voice of reason it felt like like <laughs> yeah. he was the one solving the case and you're like okay we're going oh now this is the guy that we respect that we're going on the ride with. He's going to be the hero at the end. Uh, but I, I love, again, the nudity in this is like, again, if you squint, you might be able to see it because it's on a small screen. But it's not even like real porn. It's like the type of porn nudity you get like back in like the old, early days of the internet or like, it's just like a, a static picture. It's not animated. <laughs> it's just a picture, like, like 1996 dial up internet where you, the picture loads up. He's like, old school. He's, he's old school. Yeah, Marshall. like line by line. It, it, it's, That's right. It's what? hilarious. Um, <laughs> So he gets a call, a radio call from his dispatcher. Again, this dispatcher who comes in like to play like twice this movie oh. is nothing but an excuse for more exposition dump. All so, and it's it, so brutal it's too. Bru- it it's so, so painful to sit through. Again, one, the dialogue's bad. The rhyme's not great. And again, the accent, her accent just makes it worse. And it's just exposition dump all over you. And she basically tells that Ben Youngblood left the Hughes Rehab Center and that his doctors have really no- recently noticed that Ben, who's been in a canatonic state, is now having sudden outbursts of anger. Um, so that's basically what you need. I just told you what you need to know in about, I know, seven, eight seconds. She takes about five minutes, it seems like, to explain this. Uh, it's, just all, it's just ridiculous amounts of exposition. Uh, and the, it's also weird that, one, it's like, why is she getting have all this information? Because she's like, oh... One thing they explain is like the guy just left the hospital. It's not like he, and they make some like the character's like, yeah, so it's not like he was in prison there. It's like he, it's like he, it was like a self checking, like he could just walked out at any time he wanted to <laughs> and would have been completely fine with that. And they're like, but they're making a big deal. Like, oh, he didn't escape. He never used the word escape. Just like, yeah, he's got been left. He you left. Know, he's fine. Yeah. It's like if you just leave your house, like nobody's gonna stop you. He, 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 he put in a year. Yeah. He felt one yeah. year at rehab, at mental health rehab, yeah. painting <laughs> pictures was enough, and yeah. now he's cured and he's good to go. But then she's like, she talks about this conversation you have the doctors, and the doctors. Then that would mean the doctors are just spilling the beans about this guy's. I guess patient file. <laughs> like, isn't there some confidentiality there? Like, I don't think a doctor would just be telling all this stuff to a police dispatcher. Maybe that's, the that's sheriff just relay yeah, it over, like re- maybe, over the radio. Yeah, maybe yeah. a one-on-one with with the sheriff if it really came down to it. But like, not just to, so, <laughs> like that's a huge hippo violation right there. Confidentiality <laughs> breach. Um. So, and then she goes on and say that Diane has also now been reported missing for not showing up at school or the big game to cheer. Um, so she's been reported missing by her mother as well. So I'm going to skip over some more scenes of various characters just driving out. A lot of driving scenes at this point. Them just driving cars, talking. Um, there's a small, Being mean to each other. Yeah. There's a small scene with the sheriff popping in on the uh, school Halloween dance, on the actual school dance. Um, and basically all this scene does is really it tries to set up the principal as a possible suspect for being the killer because they, they talk about uh, – 
you know, the prince was all like emotionally kind of upset about because the one year anniversary of his daughter's death and he's not here and no one's really seen him. Um, and I do want to say though, the actress who plays coach Randall, who is a very small part in this movie, but she's a very, she's a very pretty woman for a, she's, she's older, but she's very pretty. And again, I think she's very solid for it as an actress. And like her, I don't know. I thought she delivered. She was one of the better uh, actors for such a small part. I thought she was really solid. And uh, I was surprised she hasn't been in more stuff either. I just, you know, just small note, but I thought coach Randall was really good in this movie. Um, so we get more driving scenes of all the kids and all their different cars. They finally arrive at the old farm. Uh, Robin tells Jeff to offer to take Hannah home because her mom's going to freak out. So Robin and Bub are kind of like in Jeff's corner trying to get Jeff to kind of make a move on Hannah. And so, cause they all hate Blaine and they just, so they're trying to help him out. And so that'd be a good move for, Hey, why don't you offer to take her home? So she doesn't get in trouble. You'll be the hero. You know, you'll be the good guy. Uh, but Hannah ends up deciding to stay anyway. And she doesn't take up the offer. So in the farmhouse they go, except for Tina, who stays back to change out of her cheerleading uniform. Uh, while doing so, again, she has a, we don't get nudity here, unfortunately, again, but she has a conversation with her tits, uh, which she has named Brad and Brother for some reason, a really odd name for your boobs, uh, and how they are going to make her rich one day. That's the conversation she has with her tits. So I don't know if she's planning on going into porn world or what, but she's like, she talks so to her she tits. Names, she names her tits like fighters name their fists. <laughs> yeah. Brad and brother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so random, so I love that. that uh, right out in the middle. Like, out in the middle, outside, just... Yeah. Not, the, she doesn't yeah, hide that, behind that the car or anything. Cool, just yeah. right there. Opens up the trunk and just right there in for everybody to see. Uh, she hears and sees some rustling in the nearby bushes, but uh, she ignores it, and she just heads inside to join the others. We cut back to the sheriff at Hannah's house. Uh, he tells Debbie and Rick about Rick's son leaving the hospital. Rick gets all worked up and pissed off about this and tells the sheriff that, Hey, I'll go find, he's my kid. I'll go find him. Um, and Debbie and I, Debbie and my other son, Mark, we'll all go, we'll go get uh, Ben. You leave it to me. Leave my boy alone. Blah, blah, blah. So this is where I saw Rick come out. I was like, who the hell is this guy? Because he's clean. He has a towel around his, like his neck and he's wiping his face off. So I'm like, okay. There's definitely a continuity here. Like the actor decided to shave his beard halfway through filming. And like, oh shit, dude, you had a beard. And he's like, oh, I'll just act like I shaved. Did, no one else caught that? I don't think so. No, <laughs> I guess I missed it. Well, Your attention to detail is magnificent. Way better than, than ours. Normally it's well, flipped. That... Normally it's, I'm the one who picks up all those stupid little things. I, I miss it in this one. I just, I wonder, yeah, I, I wonder I, if it they... went right by me. I wonder if they wanted him to keep the beard because without that beard, he looks like a poor man's Jay Leno. That chin is gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now we go to Petey and Vicky making out in his truck at the local makeout spot. Um, they stop long enough to smoke a joint and Vicky ends up doing like a, a strip tease dance for him. The most awkward dance seductively <laughs> it's, ever. It's a little, but I kind of like, hey, it's kind of hot, I guess maybe or whatever. But yeah. It's kind of hot. It's a little awkward, but it's kind of hot. Uh, but these are nudie. You do get to see some boobs here. You do find she. Does, you find get some nudity here as she does her strip tease dance. Uh, we go back to the party where Blaine is peer pressuring Hannah into drinking. She's trying to refuse him. He's getting real pushy with her, but he gets it gets broken up by Jeff and Robin stepping in and, and kind of breaking that shit up. Uh, Robin ends up taking Hannah away to go change her clothes in the upstairs bedroom. At this point, Robin 
tells Hannah how blind she is that about Jeff. Jeff loves her so much, and you, you're just blind to it. You, how do you not know this? And that Blaine is horrible. He's just looking for some poon. He's a get, get dump Blaine and, and go out with Jeff. It's basically what the conversation they have. We cut back to Vicky and Petey, who are now fucking in the back of his truck, out on the Texas sky, uh, underneath the Texas sky, I should say. Um, and somewhere in the shadows nearby, we see the mascot with a bow and arrow taking aim. Uh, Vicky's riding piece, so she's on top. He releases the arrow, which shoots straight into Vicky's back, comes out right underneath her tits, and she splits out some mouth blood all over Petey's face and neck. And it's, uh, Petey pushes her dead body off of him, leaps out of the truck bed, and takes off run butt-ass naked through a field at night. Why, why, why would you do that? Just get back in the truck, man. Yes! That's what I. That's exactly. What I like, this is not the first time we, we saw this in another movie. Reese's like the car is right there. Get in the car and drive off is a better chance of running naked through a field. Um, but we see instead of the mascot, which would make more sense for him to pull out another arrow and just shoot him because Petey's gained some ground. But the mascot pulls out his fucking tomahawk and throws this thing like a fucking savage man, just end or end, and hits Petey square in the back from like. I don't know, 50 oh. yards killing yeah, yeah, 40 <laughs> or 50 yards, no doubt. <laughs> Wait, that's a hell of a fucking throw. Uh, maybe <laughs> it's like maybe the killer's the quarterback. Maybe Pete fucked up the game when he oh they won the game, but maybe he dropped a catch or something. I don't know. Um, so Petey, yeah, that was it was, it was a really bad way of doing the shot because they show him he's far away. Yeah, real far away. We go back to the party. The group's sitting around a campfire now outside, telling ghost stories, drinking roasted marshmallows. Inside Tina and her boy toy Mike, they're going at it. Um, outside, Blaine gets all pissed off that uh, with Hannah that she won't put out, and because he's trying to hit her, he's like, "No, I don't." She's re- refusing him, so he ends up storming off because he's he, she won't put out. At this point, Hannah decides, "Okay, now it's time to go home. I've had enough of Blaine," and asks Jeff to drive her back. So, I'm like, all right, Jeff's gonna you know get his shot. Um, inside, Blaine goes inside, does a line of blow. As Tina and Mike enter. So now there's like cocaine at this party too. That he's just snorting up his nose. Uh, Blaine tries calling Diana. Uh, so he can bang her again. Uh, Tina and Mike give him shit for this. Because uh, for the Hannah experiment backfiring on him. Like, oh poor Blaine. The little Hannah experiment is not working. She won't put out. So now you got to go back to Diane. Uh, and it, it goes on for a bit. Uh, Blaine calls Hannah a tease and just, you know, a horrible person, all this. But Hannah, he, Hannah hears all this and she confronts him, calls him out on all his bullshit, ends it with their, breaks off with him and she leaves the house. We go to Jeff Robin and Robin's boyfriend, Bubba. They all start to leave with Hannah to, uh, to leave the party. But out comes Blaine telling them to get his, their hands off of her, that she's not going anywhere. Bubba steps up at this point. He's like a real knight in shiny armor here. Like he's, 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 he's yeah. going to be a good old boy. He's got, he's a good guy. He steps up and tells Blaine to back the fuck off, basically. This leads to a pushing match between the two of them that ends up dividing the entire group, take 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 sides, lying in the sand shit. So this, one, is, this is, again, just another example of how horrible these people are. Yes, 100% horrible. Uh, on one side, we have Blaine, Mike, and Tina, and then on the other side is, like, everybody else uh, who has had it with all with the, the other three's bullshit and their attitudes. Uh, and a full like rumble is about to break out. Like they're about ready to throw it down. Uh, but then that's when they spot the mascot coming out from the shadows and they're like, Holy shit. It's the mascot. Herman, what the fuck are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, the mascot raises his bow and arrow again and shoots Linda 
right in the chest, killing her instantly. Uh, most of the group, sc group scream and scatter, but Bubba, he charges the mascot. He's going to charge him, but the mascot, I guess, some, looks like he just like knees him in the stomach or something. I don't know. He, he, he sometimes makes contact with Bubba, knocking him over, um, and the mascot then takes aim with his bone, but everyone else is kind of out of sight now. They make it back to the house. But it's weird because you see Bubba run up and get knocked down somehow by the killer. But the very next shot you see is when you see everybody running back to the house and you see Bubba in that group running to the house. So like, how did he get, it's just weird because he got up so fast and yeah. somebody's like, and he's like, so, it's not, he's running because he's being helped. Like his arms over somebody's shoulder. Um, at, at oh, yeah, point, he's knocked out. He's, he's, he's a uh, concussed or whatever they said. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and at this at this point, I'm just going to mention also like uh, we're out of the farm, and lots of these shots are really really dark. Yeah, you know it's it's the the lighting's really bad, and I don't know if that was done intentionally to help you know just kind of hide some of the you know possible faults here and there of an action scene. Um, Kevin, I'm sure you've done plenty of action scenes. Is that something they do? Uh, yeah, it's it, it is it is a cop out. Well, the whole lighting in general in this film, I'm just going to take just a minute to talk about it from a filmmaker standpoint. The, some of it's hilarious because you notice that the cars, they don't even try to act like the car is moving whenever they're having these conversations. <laughs> All you got to do is just give a small shake of the camera, gives like something's going on in the back, but it's just black. And then you just see the light is just on their face. It's consistent. Later on, there was a shot whenever uh, it showed somebody. But I feel like they gave it like because there was a lot of shots in cars where they were all driving out to the farm yeah. and then the car. I mean, everybody's convoying out there. They're showing four different vehicles driving. And there was one of them, I think, that they actually gave movement on it. And it's something really <laughs> easy. You can sit there with your cell phone and, uh, and just do the flashlight and then just go from like left or right across somebody's face, make it look like they're driving past streetlights or something. But there's just right. zero. I mean, there's zero movement. And then another lighting one that really cracked me up is whenever they go inside the dark ass cab and they're like, oh, there's no electricity. So they literally light one candle, the entire room lights up. <laughs> and then they light the second candle. Whenever they light the second candle, the lighting doesn't change at all. You would think like, turn the lights halfway up and then light the second one, but, but it doesn't. And then whenever it goes out, they do the same thing. They put out one candle, all the lights go out while the other one is still lit. <laughs> and then, so it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty comical in that sense. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. I, I do comment on the light for sure later because it gets really noticeable, but yeah, um, from basically at this point here on out, it, the, it's so dark. It gets really hard to tell what's happening in a lot of these scenes and what's any kind of detail. Um, so yeah, I, I assume it was either a cop out uh, or a way to try to hide, hide things that they could, you know, like bad effects or something. But yeah, it, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's bad. Like it's very hard to see what's going on. So, um, where was I? Uh, okay, I'll, Bubba gets charged. He gets knocked out. Uh, everyone makes it back to the house at this point. Um, so inside, they argue over who the killer is. Everyone pretty much just assumes it's Ben Youngblood, but you know they're still arguing about it. Hannah, at this point, again, asks, why would Ben be doing this? And this leads to more backstory exposition dumping. So much <laughs> fucking backstory. So here we go. Here's more shit that they try to explain. Uh, Tina comes clean at this point, saying that we killed Ginny and says that when, uh, and that when they said it was an alcohol-related, alcohol-related, it was just, to let Hannah assume that they meant a drunk driving accident, even though that's not what happened. They just wanted her to assume it was. 
basically what happens is the whole group then goes on like round round. Everybody's taking turns here telling the story. And they started to explain what really happened that one night after a game, they were having a party on the field. Everyone was wasted. The girls were doing cheerleading stunts and pyramids while the guys are throwing footballs behind them, just goofing off. Um, at this t- point in time, Ben was the mascot, not Herman. And during a pyramid lift, apparently someone took a flash photograph, which blinded Ginny, causing her to fall <laughs> from a massive height of six feet. Uh, and I'm guessing she broke her neck or something. That That's what killed her. But they never actually say that. They just they, they, all we see in the flashback is Ginny fall to the ground and then lying dead. And that that's all you see. You don't hear like a neck snap, a break. You don't hear anything. She's just up on the pyramid and then she's on the ground dead. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that, that fucking fall isn't going to kill anyone. Hurt, <laughs> yes. Knock the wind out of you. Yeah, maybe. But fucking death from falling from like a... It's not even a full pyramid. It's not like the top of... It, it was yeah. like a, it, it's like a liberty stance. They're just like... You know, this holding her up. It's like the Liberty pose and she falls over and she's dead. So Yeah, that was definitely a missed opportunity for a really cool death. Like I just yes. want to see her folded in half, just you yeah. know, end over end. Maybe do the scorpion where she kicks herself in the back of the head and her body just something. Or something stupid because they're drunk. Like, why don't they oh let's try to do uh the Liberty Stand or a pyramid uh on the goalpost or on the top of the bleachers or some stupid thing like higher up. It's like just like something something that you would do when you're drunk that you when you feel invulnerable, like, hey, we could do that. And then it goes wrong and she falls. Plus also the fact that why would she fall and get blind from a self like a, a not a cell phone, but just a flash picture? Like, these are cheerleaders. There's flash photography at these games all the time, probably taking off in bright lights of the, the stadium. Like and she, a, a flash picture caused her to fall. Like it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. Uh, and and during the scene when they're telling them, you know, telling the story, this exhibition, though, like you said, they're going all around the room. Everyone's putting in their fucking two cents. And there's a fucking killer outside yes. waiting to come inside and kill them. And they're so calm. <laughs> and they've got to break down the story. I'm just sitting there pulling my hair out. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And like, yeah, now I agree. It's like now is not the time. For storytelling, like you can tell the shit later. Let's get the fuck out of here. Then we can tell you the story later. But there's, yeah, they're, they're sitting around, calm as cucumber, cool as cucumber, just sitting there, you know, no, no worries in the world at this point. Just storytelling. Yeah, when there's a killer outside. Who speaking of the killer, they actually look out the window and they see the killer going from like car to car, like cutting all their wires, like underneath, like ripping wires out from underneath their hoods or something like that. The cars. Um, Mike says to Blaine, come on, man. The two of us can easily take this guy out. Let's go get him. But Blaine, who's tough guy exterior, because through a whole movie, Blaine's like Mr. Tough Guy. Like, Fuck you. I'm badass. I'm the best guy. I'm number one running back. I'm, I'm, I'm the shit. His tough guy exterior has now been shattered to pieces. He's refusing to go out there. Uh, he wants to just stay inside until people come looking for him. Uh, he's like in tears almost. He's all, and uh, Tina reminds him that. He just wants to hang out and do coke. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, so Tina reminds me, hey, dumbass, no one knows we're out here. You know, we came out here. Nobody knows we're here. No one's coming. So arguing and shouting break out till Jeff mentions that the killer skipped over Robin or Bubba's car. Uh, and this is where I finally realized his name was Bubba this far into the movie. Robin mentions that the keys are probably on one of the tires because they told him to put the keys on the tire, told Jeff to put the keys on the tire before. I don't know. It was a whole thing, but whatever. Uh, Jeff says that maybe someone can run around the house, creating a diversion long enough for the rest of us to get to the truck and get the keys to the truck and go for help. Uh, Mike says that no one's fast enough to do this, but Jeff says that it, 
It's, well, it, sure, it should be easy for the fastest running back in the district, referring to Blaine, who again is like in near tears, like, fuck that, I ain't going out there. So Jeff, Mr., you know, good guy Jeff's like, fuck it, I'll do it. And uh, then I'll, I'll head around to the old cabin across the lake. I'll lead him out there. Uh, and Hannah's like, like, no, I'm not going to, I'll go with you. I'm not letting you go out there, no. And it's a back and forth, but basically she refuses to let him go alone, to risk his life alone. So the two of them agree to go out and be a diversion to distract the killer to give the others a chance to escape. So Tina Mike says, fine, we'll go for the truck and get help at the nearby pub or bar that's down the road somewhere. Heather says that she and Robin will stay behind to watch over Bubba since um, there's a distinct lack of balls in here, referring to Blaine, who's crying and pussying out, which I thought was a pretty good line for Heather, the uh, good girl, to you know, man up and, and call out Blaine on his bullshit. Um, Blaine all of counters corner a self-righteous cunt. So she, that C-words dropped in this movie, <laughs> which again is harsh. Like that's okay. All right. Self-righteous cunt. But um, at this point, Mike has even had enough of Blaine and threatens to kick his ass. And these two, remember, were just buddy, buddy on the side. When they're about to rumble outside, they were on team. They were on team together. They're um, on team Coke. Yeah, they're on team Coke. <laughs> <laughs> team Coke. Uh, so Jeff and Hannah, they run out of the house, baiting the killer to follow them, which he appears to do, appears to do. As soon as the killer goes after them, Mike and Tina run out to the truck, but pretty much instantly, as soon as they get, they get like three steps out the door, Tina says to Mike, hey, let's just get Heather and Blaine and get the fuck out of here. Like, let's, let's have leave a the rest full of- <laughs> conversation yes. out here in the open. Yes. She stops to have a conversation about fucking everybody else and leaving them to, basically leaving them to die. So they can get out of here. Mike mans up and refuses to leave Bubba behind. And this leads, again, to an argument where they start arguing. Tina is, like, shouting now. For, they're trying to be, keep secret and be low problem. She's, like, shouting, like, no, just get the fuck out of here. And, of course, it, <laughs> the killer comes right back to him hearing this. The mascot swings at Mike, but Tina warns him just in time to allow Mike, Mike to dodge out of the way. Mike takes off running and taunting the killer to follow him. But he doesn't get too far before tripping over an old log. And at this point, Mark, Mark, Mike is on the ground, like, begging for it. Like, no, 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 please, please, please. But the pleas fall on deaf ears, and the mascot just buries his tomahawk right in Mike's forehead, killing him right then and there. Mike's dead. This, this is a very classic thing that happens, but it always drives me nuts when it happens to an athlete or someone who's big and strong. I mean, this guy's a well-built guy, a football player. He trips, and then he worms around on the ground for a good 10, 15 seconds before he gets killed, and it just infuriates me, you know? I mean, especially for coming from, like, it's like a jock, you know? You think that guy could just pop back up and keep going. They do enough burpees? Yeah, get your ass up there. <laughs> pop up. <laughs> uh, so, it's a good point, though. It's a good point. Uh, we cut back to Jeff and Hannah running. They, they stop for a moment, wondering if the killer is still following them. Uh, they end up making to the, this lake where they find like a small rowboat or a raft or something. I can't remember. It's so goddamn dark. I thought it's, it was a it's boat. like a yeah, it's like a deck. It's one yeah. of those uh, like, detachable like a, decks. Yeah, it's like, like a, a floating yeah. platform. Like a, but like it's on like a it's on like a line, but I don't see an oar. I, I just see a rope. So they're like, yeah, we're gonna cross the lake. Yeah, like are they pulling that, like on this, hand over hand? On this deck. Yeah, like that's exactly, that's what I assumed it was. Like that's the oddest thing. Like it's probably faster to the, run around the lake than the boys of hand well, over and hand. And for and for the killer who could who's just taken you know the tomahawk from fifty yards away and he's got this bow and arrow. 
they're just a floating target slowly <laughs> yeah. drifting away. They, they, there's not even a tree to hide behind in the middle of the lake. Yeah, that's a good point. There's nothing there to save them at all. So, uh, where, uh, uh, meanwhile, Tina has made it to some small house um, where she starts banging on the door, begging for help. This old lady comes to the door and Tina's like, you gotta help us, you gotta help us. And the old lady's like, fuck, gives Tina the finger and closes the curtains on her and walks away. <laughs> uh, Tina looks back and sees the mascot stalking after her. So she runs off again and makes it to like the bar, which was mentioned earlier, which she finds completely fucking empty, which is fucking bullshit. Because seriously, 11 o'clock night. on a Friday, Friday night. night on a small town in Texas after a mega football game, you're telling me a bar is going to be empty? Fuck no, that place is going to be packed with good old boys celebrating their, their high school team's big victory. Are you kidding me? This is, this, this is probably the most unbelievable thing in the whole movie. This is an empty bar. And it's not now, like they just... Scene, <laughs> Go on. Scene, I, got it, I, got it, I, I totally agree. That's so much bullshit. I mean, the place is decorated, lights are on, but no one's there. It doesn't make any sense. However, I have to give credit to the score. The music here is really good. It's like a, it's like an orchestra piece, and it's a chase scene, and it's I was like, holy shit, they spent their budget on music, but not lighting. Oh, yeah, the, the, the sound <laughs> throughout the entire movie. I mean, it, it was hard to get past some of the accents, but you heard everybody great. I mean, the yeah, the, the sound design on this was top-notch. That's definitely where the budget went. Um, yeah, the score was really good. I was pretty impressed. I will correct you, and the lights are not on. This this bar is like pitch black. The only lights are on like the the neon like beer lights. They're they're on like behind the bar, like you know, like you're. But the, you're right. You're right. The light it's dark as fucking that bar. Um, she tries she tries to hide behind the bar, which is okay, fine. Out of sight behind the bar, you can't be seen. But this dumbass bitch then for some reason decides to stand the fuck up right in the one pool of light that's in this entire bar that's shining on this wall. I'm going to stand right up in the one patch of light with my back to the wall instead of saying crouch down behind the bar in the dark. Like, it's the stupidest decision I think I've ever seen anybody make. So, of course, the mascot finds her, like, instantly, grabs her, but she does dodge out of the way. She scrambles across the bar to get away. The mascot cuts her off and starts swinging the tomahawk at her wildly. And to her credit, again, she is able to dodge, like, three or four swings. She's that, that, was, that, was, that was pretty hilarious. Watching her like dip and dodge it, that was pretty good. Then there was the one swing that comes right there. She like lean, leans back to get out of the way. You could tell that the, the stunt coordinator and the director were real proud of that one. They're like, we're going <laughs> to give her some time to shine right here. Yeah, yeah. Dipping and dodging all of a sudden. She's the athletic one. Yeah, I mean, it looks fine. I, I, I was actually surprised. It was, this was not one I think was kind of I see like, you know, you know, Aaron said like the, mass, the, the jock should pop right back up and get up, but this is like the second or third time now we've seen these cheerleaders actually dodge a few of these killing blows, which you don't really see a whole lot. I mean, normally it's just one hack and they're dead. They don't get out of the way, but she 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 held her on for a few seconds there. Uh, Tina grabs a pool cue then and starts to fight back. She whacks the killer a few times with it, but when she goes to hit him again, the mascot grabs it in midair, rips it out of her hand. He rips it out of her hand with such force that it also causes her to fall to the ground as well. Like, what? <laughs> like, rips the pool cue out of her hand so hard, she goes to the floor. And at this point, like I said, it's so fucking dark. It's so hard to tell what's happening. Uh, Tina yells out, fuck you, as the mascot chops down at her with, and just decapitates her in one blow. Uh, you don't see the head. You don't see the head come off. The what you see is the axe come down, and then it cuts to, like, this the severed neck stump, 
which looks solid. It looks pretty good. Like, we've seen way yeah. worse in some of these movies. So I'll give him credit for that. Uh, the mascot picks up her head and just carries it out of the bar with him, as he, and he leaves the bar. We cut back to Jeff and Hannah as they arrive at some building, and they look around for anything useful. Again, it's so dark that it's really hard to see what's going on, and, and, and it's just that's where I, I start really talking about it at this point, so I'm going to move on. Uh, we go right back to the sheriff, who gets the call from the dispatcher again, saying that there's a disturbance, a disturbance call from the bar, which is weird because we were just at the bar and there's nobody fucking there. So I don't know who's calling, who's calling for the disturbance at the bar. It is empty. So anyway, the sheriff, he heads out to the bar to check it out. Meanwhile, back at the farmhouse, Blaine is yelling at everyone, just going to going t- town on him. Uh, Heather finally ends up slapping the shit out of him, putting him back in his place. Um, but Heather says that Bubba is losing too much blood and they need to go for help now. She offers to take his truck and go get some, go get said help. Blaine says, I hope you can drive stick. And Heather's like, shit, I can't. Uh, and Blaine says, well, I'm not risking my life to save yours, so I'm not going out there. And Robin chimes and says, fuck it, I can drive stick, I'll go. So we go back to Jeff and Hannah. They find a shotgun in whatever building. This I don't know where the fuck they are. I don't know where they are, there, but they find a shotgun in this house, building, yeah. whatever. But it has no shells in it. There's no ammo for it. But Jeff's like, hey, well, the killer doesn't have a gun. He's, he, you know, Maybe we just having it will scare him off. Maybe we'll intimidate him. Like, oh, shit, he won't know we don't have ammo. So, which isn't the worst plan, I guess, that you can come up with. Because, I mean, it's all you got. You might, if you can be convinced, you know, sure. Why not? Um... Robin leaves. We go back to Robin, who leaves the farmhouse, starts looking around in the grass for the keys. The mascot shows up. Um, Heather sees him and yells at like, like from the window, like, Robin, look out. And Robin finds the keys just in time as the mascot like starts to swing down at her. She runs away. She makes it to Bubba's truck, gets inside, and she tries to start it up. But the mascot pops, pops right up next to her, smashes out the driver's side window, reaches in to grab her. She scrambles out the passenger side door and makes a break for it. However, the killer is in the truck now, and he starts it up and chases her down with the truck and basically ends up cra- crushing her by ramming her into a tree, crushing her between the, a tree and the truck. Robin dies. She's dead. Did you guys like the uh, the big pile of uh, guts that came out afterwards? Oh, it was great. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was nice. I liked how she even squared up on the tree. Like, she could have, like, she had all that time. Like, they definitely could have sped that up a little bit. Like, she squared up, like, like she could have gone anyway, and she just took it. She just right, right flat in the middle of the tree. Yeah, like also like it's a tree. You see the truck coming right. You kind of know what's coming. Like why don't you just run around to the other side of the tree, like and get behind the tree. Like I don't know. Like why just stand there and let the truck hit you? Like I, I, I don't know. I had a problem with that one too. Um. Anyway, inside here's what Kevin was talking about. Heather blows out the candlelight or the lantern or something like that. Just blows out and putting up a whole room in darkness. Uh, gives Bubba a kiss on the floor and says, hey, I promise I'll be back for you. Uh, she goes to leave, but Blaine is blocking the door. She tells him to move, to which she says, hey, if you go out there, I'm not letting you back in. She's like, I'm fine with that. I'll take my chances. She exits the house. Blaine locks the door behind her and then goes to do some more blow. Time to go snort some more coke. <laughs> Dude, uh, this is like an advertisement for cocaine. Almost. It really <laughs> is. And his choice, I don't understand the choice he makes here because instead of like doing it on like on the coffee table in the living room, the coffee, you know, right there, the nice big table, he goes and sits on a toilet for some reason where he drops the baggie of Coke into the toilet bowl between his legs. Uh, well, Coke does have, it's often cut with baby laxatives, so maybe he was getting the shit. Uh, 
So he gets on his knees and reaches down into the toilet bowl to dig around for his bag of Coke. Uh, and when he looks up, he looks and sees Tina looking in, like, in the doorway. He sees Tina's head looking at him. And he's like, oh, shit. Hi, hi, Tina. And then he's like, oh, shit. That's not Tina. He realizes it's just Tina's fucking head hanging there. Blaine screams as the mascot rushes and grabs him by the back of the head, shoves him face down in the toilet bowl where he drowns Blaine in the toilet water. Blaine gets his. He's no more. I really like this shot. I like this whole scene, honestly. Um, I thought the head looked was the head looked good. You know, severed head looked good. Um, and I liked when he put his head in the toilet, the shot from in the toilet. Yeah. You know, they had a shot coming up from the in the upshot. toilet, watching <laughs> watching him drown. Uh, kind of reminded me of Sin City. That's one of my favorite movies. And there's a scene where um, Benicio del Toro gets his head shoved in the toilet from Clive Owen. Uh, same type of shot. I gotta give him credit. It reminded me of the uh, Friday Thirteenth video game where the, the toilet bowl kill, where you, you you basically drown a counselor in the toilet bowl. It's almost the exact same thing. Only, I mean, it, it's great. Um, yeah, if, if anybody was gonna get that kill, I'm glad it was Blaine. I I really yeah. felt that was that was my moment that I cheered while watching this movie. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, Heather, in the meantime, has made it to the truck, but it won't start now. Uh, so she gets down, heads head starts head off, but she's a good girl. She's respectful. She goes up to Robin and actually and, and closes her eyes. Like does a very respectful eye close. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a nice little moment. Heather's Heather's a good girl. Um, I like Heather. Heather's great. Heather goes off to one of the other cars, takes off her cheerleading top, and now she's great. She's resourceful because she takes off her top. Uh, she don't worry, guys, listeners. She's not naked. She's sad like an underarm, long sleeve like Under Armour kind of top shirt on underneath. Um, but she wraps her cheerleading top around like her elbow or her arm. And she starts like using it to like, smash through the driver's side window. Um, and then when this fails, then she just grabs like a pipe or something. I don't know what it is she picks up, but she grabs something <laughs> and just uses that to smash the window. I'm like, why didn't you do that in the first place? But <laughs> I don't know, but she, she, she manages to get in the car. Mascot shows up. Um, Heather, uh, throw, she has this large kitchen knife, which we, she had like much earlier in the movie, but it's mentioned, but not, until now it doesn't come to play. She throws this kitchen knife at him, but misses and then runs away. And this leads to kind of a short, but pretty decent chase scene that ends up with Heather hiding in the barn. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting a flavor here of Friday 13th part seven, that scene where the kind of mousy girl who tries to get all sexy is in the barn getting chased by Jason. Oh, I mousy really kind of yeah. got that feel. Boy, it kind of ends in a familiar way, too, because, uh, of course, the mascot sh- shows up now, and he's wielding a, uh, a pitchfork. He finds her. Uh, Heather's trapped in, like, a, a horse star, like a star or something like that between the, the wall and him. And she's like, she's like, burn in hell! She, tells, she yells at the mascot to burn hell. And the mascot then just impales her on the pitchfork, which also leaves her pinned to the wall as she dies, spitting up blood, uh, hanging a few inches off the ground, impaled on this pitchfork. Um, pretty decent death. I mean, it's Sal. We've seen it before. And like I said, Friday Thirteenth movies have done it a lot. The pitchfork and pale through the wall. Um, I think Halloween yeah, she, Five did it too. Spits, in her last breath, she like spits at the killer too. Yeah. I mean, these girls are pretty badass. Yeah, the they girls die. are like, more badass than the guys in this movie. They really are. Yeah, I mean, she's like, "Fuck you!" And she's like, "Burn in hell!" I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" And this is like the good. This They're is looks like the, the virgin-ass church-going girl. Yeah, the too. virgin. Yeah. Which I loved Heather. I thought Heather was great. Um, so 
now we go, Jeff and Hannah have made it back to the farmhouse. So I guess they've recrossed the lake again. They're back at the farmhouse. They go inside, find Bubba still laying on the couch, passed out. Uh, Jeff goes to look around for the others. Find Blaine. He, she finds Blaine dead. He rushes back to Hannah and says, hey, we have to leave her right now. Um, Hannah wants to know what's going on. So she goes to look for herself. After seeing the body, they go back to Bubba. But when they re-enter the living room, now... The layout of this house gets a little confusing at what room they're in. Because up until now, it makes it seem like they're in, like, right in the front door. Like, they go in the front door. There's a living room there. They put Bubba on the couch earlier. And they never really leave this room. But now, they go back in this room. And Helen's like, oh, my God. There's somebody else in here with us. There's somebody else. She, like, senses them. And that's when from out of the dark corner comes the mascot. He strikes. But the mascot grabs Jeff and then tosses him down some stairs which we've never seen before. Like, are they on the second floor now? Or like, where did these stairs come from? But he goes flying down some stairs. He goes after Hannah, who leaps out a window onto the roof. So now they're up on the second floor, which we've never seen before. So it's a really odd, I don't know, continuity or editing choices here, but it, it gets very confusing. She leaps out onto the roof and like shimmies her way down to slanted roof and jumps down to the ground. Again, looks pretty good, man. These girls are kicking ass and doing some pretty athletic things here. Um, and she ends up hiding, I don't know, somewhere, but like I said, go, goddamn, it's so fucking dark. I can barely see what's going on. The mascot's looking around for her when she ambushes him by whacking the mascot upside the head with a shovel. I think it's a shovel, uh, knocking him Can't out. Tell it's too dark. Yeah, it's too dark. <laughs> Hannah takes this opportunity to run for the truck. She sees Robin's dead body. She throws up a little bit, uh, then gets in. <laughs> before, before she can try to even start the thing up, mascot pops up next to her, tries to grab her. She, scre- scru- uh, she squirms out of the truck, runs back to the house, and starts scavenging around the campfire area for anything useful. I think she grabs, like, a barbecue fork or something. Again, have no idea what it is. Uh, but we see Bubba, who has gotten up. He's, come, he's stumbling up behind it all groggy. He's holding his head. He's stumbling up. He reaches out to p- and places a hand on her shoulder. Hannah's freaked out. She spins around, stabs Bubba with whatever the fuck it was she had, and kills Bubba. By accident, right as the sheriff rolls up to uh, save the day. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. right, right, right when the sheriff shows up, she looks like she's the killer. Yeah. Uh, the sheriff. I honestly kind of, I kind of like that part. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, sheriff rushes up to Hannah, asking what the hell happened out here, and where's Linda? Where's Linda? Uh, and then we hear a voice coming from uh, behind him that says, "Under my feet, asshole." And we see the mascot walk up. The sheriff pulls out his gun. And now for some fucking retarded ass reason, instead of just shooting the killer where he stands, the sheriff decides he needs to get closer to him. So the sheriff kind of starts jogging. He rushes the, the, the mascot who's also approaching the sheriff. So the sheriff, I guess, can shoot him more point blank, which makes zero sense. But the mascot just swats the sheriff's arm aside and as the sheriff pulls the trigger, so the bull goes flying off. And then the mascot just kills the sheriff by, like, easily just stabbing him in the neck or the chest or something. Because I can't tell. Because, again, it's so goddamn dark. But the sheriff's dead. And yeah, I, it's just it's infuriating. It's so Blood infuriating. out of a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to walk up to the guy. Just shoot him right there. And he would have been fine. But nope. Well, and I, re- I really thought we were going to get a better showing from the sheriff. You know, he really seemed competent. And then yeah. when he finally shows up, 
you know, dispatch finally gives him enough clues to lead to the old farmhouse and he gets there. And then she, yeah, you, you wonder if she's, cause she just killed Bubba. You wonder what his reaction is going to be. If it's like, all right, get on the ground, you're under arrest. Or is it like, there's none of that. He's just like, it's okay. It's fine. And then, yeah. then he just gets, <laughs> then he just gets taken out immediately. Yeah. Like why even have the sheriff there? Exactly. His death is beautiful. There's no I, point. I, I wanted him to like, like, yeah, like, like see his dead daughter and then freak out and then start screaming at everybody. That would make more Give sense. This guy something. I like that. That would make so much more sense. If he actually looked over and saw Linda dead and that's what it, like, he loses his judgment, his composure. That's why he charges the killer, but he doesn't. He's just there. He's like, oh, there's a killer. Let me charge him instead of shooting him with my gun. Like, yeah, that's a great point. Like, the sheriff should have had something. They should, he should have seen Linda dead to give him some kind of reaction. Otherwise, like, it, yeah, there's no point in him even being here. It, it is no bearing on the plot or character arcs or anything. It just, it made me think almost of The Shining, you know, when um, the kid's like telepathically communicating with uh, the African-American guy, the black guy who comes across <laughs> the country. And then he decides he's looking for him. And right, like the whole movie, you see him making this journey to go catch up with the kid so he could save him. But right when he gets there, Jack Nicholson buries an X in his chest. It's like, done. Just immediately. <laughs> yeah, so much for your story, Arthur. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad he was there to deliver, or not even deliver, to be given all that exposition about yeah. the former mascot. So I'm glad that, I guess that was his purpose. Um. I guess the only other purpose in this death scene is that when the sheriff dies, as he kind of slowly collapses to the ground, he, he pulls the mask off the mascot to reveal that the killer was Hannah's stepdad, Rick. Oh, I didn't even realize that he was the one that pulled the mask. I thought Rick gave his own, you know, no. reveal. No, okay. yeah, sheriff pulls the mask off as he dies. Hannah dashes for the gun, and she actually gets it, holding Rick at gunpoint. Uh, she's like, where's my mother? And at this point, you know, he, 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 you know what, this is where I have a clip. I'm just going to let Rick, it's, this is like a two minute and 15 second clip of Rick explaining everything. Again, a lot of exposition, dump a lot of backs, but here, and you get an example of like, what we're talking about the, how this actor delivers his line with the accent and just, it's so bad of just Rick explaining everything away. So I uh, just enjoy this clip and uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll talk about it as it goes along, but here we go. Hello, Hannah. Rick. Where's my mother? Oh, she's around here somewhere. You heard her, I swear to God. Don't need to be worrying about her. If I was you, I'd start worrying about not having any friends come Monday morning first period. How could you do this? Do I really need to give you a list of reasons? I suppose that's fair. For starters, <laughs> it's hunting season. And hunting's just plain fun. Second, there's this whole mess that these heathens caused that made my poor boy go all loony farm. Damn meddling kids. Made my first bored boy go to the retard house, tarnishing my family name. Family name? Please, look at yourself. Pretty sure you botched that on your own, you backwards, white trash piece of shit. Woo! Where did that come from? I didn't think you had that in you. You won't get away with this. Why? My boy Ben did it. You frame your own son? He don't speak now. It's not likely he's going to be able to say anything. You stand back. Oh, damn it, Nancy. Things were just starting to get good around here. You promised me. Mom, you knew about this? Hannah was not part of our deal. Well, Sammy without my mask wasn't either. I told you to put a leash on this bratty little shovel slayer over there. I told you to make sure she stayed at home. I did, but she didn't listen, did she? 
Mom, what deal? Hannah, butt out! Just tell her, Nance. Stiff cat's hanging out of the bag. You talk too much! Just shut up! Oh, sure. Your mom was freaked out as all get out. Right around the time I started making carne asada out of Senorita Sanchez, but a handful of them happy pills, and then she started realizing that you was just one step closer to that cheer scholarship. That's enough, Brick. We've finished everything we came here to do, right? Now, Hannah and I aren't gonna say anything. So we're gonna stick to the original plan. Ben did it all. Understood? All right, Nance. Understood, Anna. Uh, Mom? Uh, Mom? Uh, Mom? Her. Uh, I made a mistake. <laughs> all right, so there you have it. That's the clip. Um, Good. Lord. My God. My God. <laughs> so that's a lot to unpack I, there. So <laughs> I, I do love how he does a full-on fucking Scooby-Doo villain. Yes. You, he even says you meddling kids. <laughs> he actually says you meddling kids. <laughs> I fucking love it. But my okay, so Warren Debbie Roshan is crushing it in that scene. She is acting her ass off in that, I think. Um, but... Oh, so let's, all right, let's unpack that. What we just, so Ben, like, oh my God, I don't even know where to begin with this shit. Uh, Debbie was in on it, or not Debbie, Rashawn, but Nancy, the mother was in on it with them. Their plan to kill the cheerleading squad and football players that are responsible for Ben going insane because of Jenny's death. And then they were going to play and he was going to blame it on his own son because his son's canatonic and can't speak or defend himself. What? what? Oh, 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 so how did the... Oh, wow. Trying to get a cheerleading scholarship. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Hannah yeah, would get was, a cheerleading was, scholarship. Was, so was Ben leaving the hospital? Was that all just coincidence or was that wishful thinking? Yeah, I guess it was wishful thinking or just a happy coincidence. I guess because like I mean, see, how they, long they, ago he didn't have... go and like let him out. No, one thing if he went and got him and he was framing him, but no, he they, left on his own. Yeah, he just left on his own. So he, this, I mean, again, how long was it pl- taking to plan this shit out though? Like to do all this and, and just to have it so like they have to know the kids were at this party and to know what was going and then for Ben to be out the escape like. Were they just sitting with on this plan like wait like okay if, if Ben ever actually leaves we gotta go. You know, be ready to get get our murder kit and go on, on a on a you know whims notice. Like, how does this even work? How do you even plan this shit out? And then so crazy. And the dialogue, the way he delivers this stuff, making carne asada out of Senorita Sanchez. That's all just a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, and I imagine that probably took him a couple ch- couple tries. Well, see, I wonder what point, actually. There's a point he almost loses it. There's a point he's like. Uh, 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 oh, you yeah. know? makes me wonder what actually was in the script or if he's just going off because i've had these long expositions in scripts where where sometimes the wheels come off and you're just saying whatever the fuck comes <laughs> to mind and i'm just wondering if, if he was word perfect on that if he's going treating it like an aaron sorkin where he's saying exactly every single word and piece of punctuation or if he's just winging it because i have a hard time believing that the writer wrote in meddling kids and or if that's <laughs> yeah, just what came kids. out because that's he, the best <laughs> That's, God, that's the best. But, okay, well, actually, before we move on, um, 
I, I want to come back to something you just said though. Uh, but I do see one. My other favorite thing about the what you hear at the end is that uh, you hear Rick shoot Nancy or, or Debbie Rush. He shoots and kills her, and then uh, she uh, shoots him, uh, killing him. But my favorite part, always my favorite part, is uh, when Debbie's dying. She just says, uh, "I made a mistake." Like you think, like that's a bit of an understatement. A mistake. A mistake is when you murdering a dozen teenagers. Yeah, like being part of it. Mistake is when you I don't know you you butt dial someone or you you pick you put the wrong (laughs) you put the you put the cheddar cheese on the pizza instead of the the mozzarella by accident or something like that. I mean, that's a mistake. This is that's pretty fucked up. But I actually Uh, had a question for you, Kevin, here because you were talking about how um uh your people going off script or whatever. Like, what's your experience like in these? I guess every, everyone's different, but when it, at the indie level, what's been your experience when it comes to how strict people are with sticking to the script? Or like how lean are they with letting them? Uh, honestly, uh, everybody's so different. I went three three gigs in a row where um, where the first one I worked with uh, worked with my dude Blinky. We did uh, the Eradicator. Not sure if you saw it. it was kind of our horror version of a Superman. It was kind of Superman meets the Terminator. And with that, the director won every, I added a word like this was a mistake instead of like, this is a mistake. And he like corrected me and he told me exactly how to say it, what to say. And it was so spot on. I was like, okay. then the literally in the very next project that I did, uh, I said, I said my line and the guy goes, I love it. Well, maybe here you'll do it. You know, I'm not giving you a line read. Just say it how you want to say it. I trust you as an actor make it your own. You could go off book, just make it your own. And then that was another horror movie. And then I did a drama right after it. And then the lady kept saying, uh, um, say this, but then add something, feel free to go, you know, again, go off book. So that it was, and this was all in like a two week span. So I went from the strictest of the strict, not only making sure that I said every word perfect, but exactly how to say it, what pitch, what inflection, what speed. He just wanted me to mimic what he was doing with his voice and then I go to the next one and they're just, yeah, do you as an actor, just do you have fun. We'll, we'll chop it up. We'll use what we want to use. It's uh, you know, so everything few and far between everything kind of goes, you never know it. Everything is uh, by the filmmakers basis. You would so. th- I would, as, I would... as, as an actor though, I mean, do you, do you like it better when it's super strict? You're like, okay, well, I just know I need to say these lines. That's how, or is there an extra pressure when you're trying to ad lib and, you know, come up with an interesting line to kind of give it some more flair. Yeah, it definitely goes both ways. Um, I've been in the situation where they where they do want you to, and you could kind of have a little bit of fun with it. But yeah, there's definitely a pressure there because now you're like, they're like, oh, and then just make it up. I'm like, oh, uh, what, what, what do you want? I, I don't even know what, what, what you want me to do here. Where the one film that I was talking about where she's like, oh, make something up. I'm literally using a Spanish accent. We're supposed to be like 18th century Madrid. And the gentleman that I'm talking with is only speaking Spanish. And I literally have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> so I'm just repeating the four lines in the script in a bad Spanish accent. Cause I don't do a Spanish accent. So I'm just like, Oh, I don't know. This, this seems bad. And he's like, and he's like yelling at me in Spanish. And I'm just there. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. This seems bad. <laughs> I was like, I literally don't know how to improvise with this. This is another language. <laughs> That's the problem. Like, I, I see the benefits of both be, like, being able to loosely be able to have fun and, and improvise. But 
It's a tight rope because like not every there's very few people where not everybody's a very gifted ab libber or improviser. Well, so when it go well, people well, try the, to do it, it goes it can go wrong real fast. Oh, real real quick. So everybody has a tendency. Uh, a lot of people will 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 say something like you know before they say anything. If the line is we have to go pick up the pizza, it's like you know we gotta go pick up the pizza because you know we got people coming over. You know and people are gonna be hungry. And it's like <laughs> stop saying you know before every single line. <laughs> and and then with that, uh, you want to make it conversational. If you read something and if you because you it's written differently is how it's said out loud. So that's why typically you do table reads because you say the words outside. Sometimes if it is a tongue twister like that, it's like. Yeah, maybe we should change that line, make it easier, more conversational. So I like it whenever they give me the liberty to at least change a word here and there to make it more conversational, of course, because then you're going into everybody's dialects. You know, obviously I would. Um, I do want to make a a correction. I made a mistake. Uh, At the end of that scene I played, uh, Debbie is stabbed in the stomach with the – Tomahawk not shot, like I said. It, that, so that, that actually comes into play. So she gets stabbed. You know, that's, that's a mistake. You didn't kill yeah. a whole bunch yeah, of Yeah, that's a mistake I made. I didn't go on a murder spree. <laughs> so did she, and you said that she took out Rick here? Is that how he yeah, ended up so going? Yeah, so Rick stabs her with the Tomahawk in the stomach. And then she, because she had taken the gun from Hammond. And so she, after getting stabbed, shoots Rick, who he collapses to the ground. So he's dead. Okay, uh, well, I got to point out that I like how Rick went Terminator there for, like, two scenes. I forget. Somebody cracked him in the head with something, and he total no-sold it. He just went right. <laughs> and then somebody else came up and just punched him right in the head, and he just turned around and took him out. I forget who it was. There were so many moving yeah, that's, pieces no, that's actually, Yeah, uh, so, yeah, at first, Hannah hits him over the head with a shovel, which he does He does go on con. He goes, he goes down from that. But what you're talking about is, so, Rick gets shot. But he stands back up and says to Hannah, what, you didn't think I was smart enough to wear a bulletproof vest under this poncho? So Hannah runs off as Rick yells at her to run home while he stays here and builds a big old bonfire starting with her mother. So he's getting real dark real fast here. He's (laughs) like, fuck you. Um, Hannah stops running and picks up a large branch and heads back to Rick. Like, fuck it, I'm going back to this guy. She finds Rick dragging a body, comes up behind him, bashes him over the head with the branch. And as you said, in my notes, I literally says, it has no real effect on him because he just turns and grabs her after being decked in the back there with a giant log. Um, and then at this point, Jeff, who we thought was dead from being tossed down a flight of stairs, he pops up out of nowhere, punches Rick in the face, which, again, has like very little damn, you know, effect on him other than he does nothing zero <laughs> yeah he does release hannah from his grip though that's the real other than that there's no effect rick just tackles jeff to the ground and starts choking him out hannah runs off pulls the tomahawk out of her mother's dead body says behind you <laughs> asshole and then brings the tomahawk down on the top of his skull killing him uh, and again, the effect looks pretty damn good too. Cause like you see the tomahawk go into his head, the blood comes down. And then as he falls back and like the, the, the his skull like slips off the blade of the tomahawk, like the, that gash in his skull, it looks pretty good for this movie. Like I was actually, again, impressed with the, the makeup effects on this, that it looked pretty solid. Um, Hannah helps Jeff up. They hug. Um, now we cut to the farm which is now filled with other cops and ambulances. Uh, Hannah asks one of the detectives if they have found Ben yet. The cop says, no, I don't think so. 
Uh, and then he just leaves. So I'm like, that's the most incompetent cop. Like, you don't think you found the escape mental patient? Like, you would, that's either a yes or no question. And if you don't know, you say, you call this person, hey, have we found him yet? You get an answer. It's like, I don't think so. And he just walks away from her and leaves her there. Uh, Hannah says, like, he's still out there then. Dun, dun, dun. And the camera like, pans up from her into the night sky. We fade to black and we roll the credits. That what, is. What does that mean? But it's like the he, guy he, who's he, the, the kill, not the killer, is still out there. Oh no, the non-killer yeah. is still out there. <laughs> the guy who hasn't harmed anyone. The guy who checked himself out of a hospital, basically. Who basically just went the on a nature walk. Does, <laughs> he just he does paintings of his dead girlfriend. He's more like fucking emo than anything else. I don't think he's going to be killed a whole bunch. Yeah, of like <laughs> oh no, he's still out there. So that's the movie. <laughs> Uh, that's Marcy Blood. So with that, let's go into uh, this week's favorite kill. Don't act like you didn't love it. Favorite kill. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Kevin, you're our guest this week, man. So we'll start with you. What was your favorite kill of the movie? Okay. I'm going to have to go with, I believe her name was Heather with the pitchfork. It's with, with this film in particular, it's, you, I kind of, maybe I forgot things along the way. But her whole thing about being a virgin and then like one of her stepsister wronged her and ended up hooking up with the guy, even though they had zero, you know, they never had a scene together. So you're never connected to the other guy anyway. But I forgot that she was not the lead. I forgot that Hannah was the new girl that was the lead. I thought that they were going the virgin route. So that one kind of took me off, you know, kind of threw me because, like you said, they kind of built in some of these things to let these girls have athletic movements. And they gave her a thing where she, like, jumped the fence, ran over, and, like, one hopped right through a window. Like, it was a cool action yeah. scene. Yeah, that chase was And a then, like you scene. say, she was – I really thought that this was going to be – and then just as fast as I thought, next thing, you know, she's pitchfork. And I was like, oh, I thought she was the, the hero. And he's like, no, it's the new girl. I was like, oh, right, right, I forgot. <laughs> but – but I, I did like it. Did pay homage, like you said. To it was very, very Friday the Thirteenth. It was it was a straight shot right out of nineteen eighty four with the way that it was done. But it was done well. The stick into the wall. I I really enjoyed that one because honestly, every other death I saw coming a mile away. You're just waiting for the time for this person to die. But with her, hers was the only one that I really, for some reason, I was surprised whenever she got it. It it, it threw it, it it threw me off. I got to give him credit for it. It's a great point. I, uh, that's a great explanation. I uh, love it. Uh, Aaron, what about you, man? Kevin, I'm right there with you. It's the pitchfork kill. That was my favorite one. Uh, pretty much for everything he just said, the, the setup, the buildup, the kind of homage to horror movies, particularly Friday 13th, the feeling I got from it. But also when he did Impaler on the wall, that, that visceral spit at him, and, uh, you know, just it was it was I was like, fuck, yeah, you know, I'd be pissed off, too, if I got killed. <laughs> we don't see that enough in movies, I feel. And again, for an independent horror movie, they did a good job because she actually instead of just sitting there flat as a board being impaled. She actually slumped forward when she was dead, and it still held her up. So I was happy to see that she actually lost control of her muscles and slumped forward, and it still held her up very well. I mean, we have the classic one of like Halloween when Michael Myers impales Bob to the wall with a kitchen knife. <laughs> He's a big dude, and he just stays there, spat. <laughs> you know, he would he would go limp, and it just doesn't happen. So she actually went limp. I enjoyed that. I like that kill the best. All right, for me, um, well, everybody like you know, Blaine finally getting his was much deserved. I was I was kind of disappointed. Like it's I guess it's funny that a shithead guy gets killed in the shitter, but 
I was kind of hoping that uh, his death would be a little more painful and drawn out. Um, but I'm I'm actually agreeing with you guys, man. Heather, which sucks because Heather was probably my favorite character in this movie next to Hannah because both of those should have been final girls in any other movie. Heather should have been the final girl. Um Cause she is, she's like, she's the one who's got, she's not the bitch. She's not bitching anybody like Hannah. Hannah's not either, but she's the good girl. She's the virgin. She's, you know, she does athletic stuff on that chase scene's really good. She holds her own fairly well. And it is, it's a, it's a, even though we've seen the, the pitchfork thing before, it's done well. I like that. I love that Heather finally had a little bit of fight in there, you know, like burning hell. Which, again, is a perfect thing to say for, like, the church-going girl. And instead of, like, a fuck you or something like that, like, burning hell. That's, the that's a, again, very appropriate for a character. Spitting on the guys. You know, it was a great the, – the chasing that led up to it was really good. Every, every guy's thing, I agree 100%. Uh, I wanted to see Heather live, though. I wish she would have lived. I would have liked to have seen Heather and Hannah live instead of Jeff. You know, I think Jeff should, like, sacrifice himself for the others to live or something like that. But, um, uh, yeah, I guess I'll go with Heather, too. She was uh, – that was great. So with that done, yeah, let's move on to odds and ends. Just when you thought it was over, here comes the odds and ends. All right, so ratings. IMDb gives it a 3.8 out of 10. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, there is no official thermometer score, and it has a 12% audience score. Uh, Amazon gives it a 2.3 out of 5, so that's rare. When you get below a 3 on Amazon, you're hurting. You're hurting. Um, plot keywords, there was really nothing fun worth mentioning. All very run-of-the-mill, boring, bland stuff you would expect in a, in a independent slasher. Um, I was disappointed that panties was not on there. Our panty lovers are really dropping the ball lately. Like, there's lots of panty shots in this movie. So, yeah, panty Kevin, lovers, if, if, get on the ball, get if, your shit together. If you didn't know, we went on a crazy string of plot keywords repeat. Like, people just put in panties, red panties. Black panties. White like panties. Episode <laughs> after episode after episode, the panty lovers came out in full force. But they have, they've been letting us down. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, there were some very good panty shots in this, for sure. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> trivia. There's only one bit of trivia I found for this movie. Um, so, it's kind of interesting. So, Varsity Blood was filmed in the same high school <laughs> where Varsity Blues was filmed, which also yeah. happens to be the same alma mater of Riot director Jake Helgren. And the fictitious town of Hawkeye, where the film takes place, is actually the name of an old town that once existed where the town of Elgin, Texas, now stands. So, Yeah, that's hilarious that you said, because I, I had no idea. But as I was typing this into Amazon, of course, Varsity Blues comes up until you get that, you know, first O in blood. I was like, oh, Varsity Blues. I really enjoyed that movie. I would rewatch that. And I even clicked on it before I just to see <laughs> that it was not a free option on Amazon prime. Otherwise I, I may have delayed this movie watching for another <laughs> evening and I, you know, I, I get easily distracted. And, I, and again, I am a football fan, so I was ready to root on them. West Canaan coyotes. And, you know, I, I was all there, but uh, nonetheless to see that it actually was the same, the same school. That's just perfect. That, yeah. It's kind of cool. Is, that the, that the riot director went to that high school too, where they, where they that movie was filmed. Um, so I guess it's probably why he went back and filmed it there because he got permission easily for being a student. Uh, budget information. I couldn't find the budget information for this movie, which is always disappointing. I always, uh, always love to what do are, What are your games. guys' guesses? Uh, you... yeah. Okay, so I really suck at this game. I usually blow my wad or I come way under. But there was a lot, it seemed like there was a lot of actors and actresses. Um, decent effects, 
the score was really good, which I was impressed by, but the lighting sucked. So it's like you kind of I'm, I'm trying to weigh these options. You, I'm, I'm glad you actually mentioned this, Kevin, talk about the gor- the gorilla film uh, technique of the, the actual football game because I, you know, being someone who's not in the business, I wouldn't have picked yeah. that, didn't pick that up. Yeah, the the pep rally at the beginning though that did that did have a lot of people in it. That one was strictly them, so there was quite a few people for that one. But I imagine so you don't have to pay say, a lot of extras to be in independent films. Like, hey, you just want to be in a film, be an extra, just come on. I can't imagine they're paying a lot of people at, at this point. No, you also not, have, not you at have, all. Yeah, you have, you have Debbie Roshan. She's, an, she's a name in the horror world. I'm going to say 75000 to $100,000. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm probably in that ballpark, maybe 150 ish, depending. Uh, yeah, it, it's hard because the line, the line, so the line, so bad. Yeah, I'd like to get what, what's the our prof, our professional opinion would be like. What would you think it would be? No, I, honestly, you got you guys are dead on. I was thinking between 100 and 150, uh, depending on where where it was. Like you said, there's a lot of actors. I guarantee you, none of them were making more than scale. Debbie, Debbie Rashawn was the only one that would have been anything. They probably. They might even have shot her out in one day would be my guess. I'm guessing that they did her stuff in the morning, you know, at the one and then just picked it up and completely worked around her schedule. And uh, yeah, I'm guessing, you know, it, it was only really like three locations that, that you would have seen outside of a couple pickups. But yeah, a little, a little over a hundred. You could see that there was a lot of a lot of quality. I mean, the, the coloring was good. The post-production was re- done really well. Uh, you could tell that that where they did kind of skimp was lighting, of course. Uh, that That's just throughout, like I said, not only the, the big continuity ones that I had mentioned earlier, but the one that just kept on coming up. It was just so dark. It's so hard to, to light because you are doing it as a cop-out. But the effects were really solid. You could tell that whatever they were shooting it on, it looked really good. I mean, it looked like a first-round move, though. That the sound quality, I mean, I, I didn't dig what a lot of people were saying. A lot of people were eating lines. You could tell. A lot of them were really long one shots, so you could tell there that some of them they probably only got one take on. So that, that's that's unfortunate for the actors because I absolutely hated Blaine Blaine's performance, especially where he was in the car and he's just talking and t- it's just it's brutally painful to watch. And yeah. not to say that the guy is a bad actor, but whenever you stay in a one shot for that long and they're just going back, they're just fumbling through it. If they would have probably had a bigger budget and given them time to to break up those scenes, because all of them just live in that the, those one shots, and that's just that's just yeah cheap cheapness cut ringing through. But like I said, the sound was really good, and for the most part, coloring, coloring, and all that. The post production that's where all the money went. Not a whole lot of money went into uh, the the locations, but uh, the effects. At least they put their money into into good spots that you know uh, they probably could have. Of course, could have used a rewrite on the script. I probably would have tightened up the couple of the actors a little bit you probably didn't need so many people which is funny because as they're describing as they're driving out they're like party of the year yeah like six, <laughs> with like, with people six people going yeah, out to a part of the field year. with no electricity like how is this the party of the year like, that's a great point like, like 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 we're from missouri we had, we had basement parties with a keg that had 100 people there that were a million times better than what right. they had and that, was, that was just a random saturday night yeah, so, yeah. That's, that's the parties i had in my house when i was in college like i've I'm like, I, i've had parties but exactly like beer in the basement and just yeah way more people that's a great point um I like what you said, though, about I, I can't agree with you on a lot of that with the uh, I think it did look pretty good. Um, I think it would look better if it wasn't for the lighting problems. But otherwise, the color was fine. It, it, the film quality didn't look grainy or old or anything. So um, 
I, I agree with everything you said. I just wish it could have been. If I could look, if it wasn't for the lion, it probably would have been a lot better visually to look at um, as well. Uh, the effects were good. You know, I'll talk about this later in my when we get to it. Uh, so with that said, let's move on to our five star reviews for this week. At the end of this day, one shall stand, one shall fall. versus wrong, light versus dark. In the end, when the dust settles, who will be left standing after Mortal Kombat combat? All right, so five star reviews. There are only 19 total reviews on Amazon right now. Oh, that's for all of them. 10% of those are five star with 36% Ooh. being one star reviews. So, uh, the two five-star reviews uh, from Joseph V writes, perfect throwback to 80s horror. I love this movie. Five stars. Uh, Jason Willard writes, I've been a fan of horror movies practically my entire life, and in particular, those of a slasher variety. I absolutely loved Bloody Homecoming, and I was excited to take a look at the Southmore effort. I have no idea how in the world this got some low reviews. Look, this movie delivers on, what, on the basic formula. This is a type of film. A nice, fun throwback in the days when these were being churned out in the 80s. The movie devotes time to character development and has plenty of nods to classic slasher lore, uh, in particular Friday the 13th. The atmosphere is cool. The music is well-suited. The killer is masked. And when the kills begin to happen, this, is, this has a good body count. The particular effects are done well. Some of the dialogue made me chuckle. And again, I found this kind of effort to be rewarding. It's a low-budget indie gem that is full of heart. Just sit back and enjoy the ride because, in my humble opinion... I checked out. It checked all the boxes. Kudos, Mr. Helgren. Hope to see more of these types of films in the future. Five stars. Now, because there's only two five stars, it's not much to go on and way more one. I did check out the one, four stars and wrote down one of those. Uh, from B. Wazden writes, Varsity Blood has gotten plenty of lesser known, lesser than, I'm sorry, plenty of lesser than kind reviews. And after having watched it, I don't understand why. Sure, it's not one of the best slasher movies ever made, and it's not even the best slasher to be released this year. That honor would probably go to Jersey Shore Massacre, horrible horror <laughs> fans, which we've done this show. Um, however, it is better than a lot of slasher movies I have seen. It is a pretty good killer, a pretty good killer, a pretty decent body count, some TNA and gore. What it doesn't have is a sense of humor. It's played mostly serious, which doesn't exactly help. And the last half of the film takes place outdoors at night, so it's pretty dark. Still, this is better than average slasher, with, and fans of slasher should definitely watch it four stars. All right. So those are good reviews. Some of the better ones. On the flip side of that coin, we have our one-star reviews. Uh, and like I said, there are way more of these than five stars on Amazon. Uh, some of these I wrote down five. I edited them down because some of them were very long. So I, I cut them down a lot. The first one from Joe Smart, which was like five paragraphs, five long paragraphs, which I cut Jesus. down to one, basically three lines. Um, this is such lazy garbage. The people who made it should really be embarrassed. Even bad 80s slasher films have more ambition than this. Something like Don't Answer the Phone or Hell Night look like masterpieces next to Varsity Blood, one star. From Afus, I don't even know how to pronounce that one. I'm not sure if this was supposed to be a serious horror movie or a spoof horror movie. It's honestly like the casting director called all the agents and asked for their, 
the absolute worst actors they had. There were times when it was so bad I had to rewind it just to watch it again and make sure I wasn't imagining it one star. Corey T. Schaefer writes, I, while I appreciate what they were going for here, a kind of varsity blues meets Friday the 13th, the cast was too weak and the script was too bad to pull this movie over the line of respectability. I can't even recommend this one to fans of low-budget indie horror films as there are no scares and about 15 minutes in this movie, you'll begin to kick yourself for buying or renting it in the first place. One star. Last two from Russell S writes, I had to warn the world about this movie. It's so very bad. The story is typical, not even good. Typical. I can guarantee that none of the quote unquote actors in this quote unquote movie will ever amount to anything. Some are really bad and others are worse. Any Academy award winners in this bunch, not a chance. I will however bestow best abs to the character of Blaine as played by Blair Jackson. His abs did rock. The mother? Question mark. Uh, she and her boyfriend are absolutely the worst. I'm begging you not to even consider this train wreck one star. Very harsh. And lastly, from our Rick, he writes, It will annoy the hell out of you if you are over the age of 16. Watch only if you have Prime and are curious. Do not pay for this one star. So, Kevin, I got a, I got a question. When, when, you know, as an actor, as a performer, you're, you know, you're putting yourself out there to the public and, you know, you're going to have people giving good reviews, bad reviews. How much stock you put in it when, or how angry will it make you if there's a bad review and people are like, oh, this guy sucked or those, those actors are Bush League or this production was such garbage. And, you know, do, do you just, are you just like, eh, whatever, it's part of the job or do you're like, I want to get that motherfucker. <laughs> oh yeah, we're uh, well, well as actors, we're we're creators, and um, I'm gonna be honest with you, we're we're sensitive. We're sensitive to all that. We we feel it. We feel those words. We take it personal. We don't like it. I I know. I'm my series job, guys, is now on Amazon, and we were um, not not fishing for reviews, but it's part of the algorithm that the more reviews you get, the the more that they'll put it on people's recommended viewing. So we're fishing for more and more reviews. So, of course, the numbers are great out of the gate. You could always tell these reviews of who's friends with the filmmakers, if all the same, mm -hmm. same thing with Amazon and IMDb reviews both. You could just tell whenever they're like, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. There's nothing wrong with it. And then you could tell the ones that, that, that kind of go the other way. But the problem is, is that you have people that are trolls. And they will see something like, like, I know that my Amazon show job guys, I know it's not a five out of, you know, five out of five. It's not a 10 on IMDb. I'm, I'm aware that we're not making a material. We're making C plus B minus, you know, it's, it's very, you know, we're, we're working in a limited budget. We're not in the studio system We're well, I'm paying out of pocket to do it. So I'm well aware that I, that I've got a three on my hands. And if, uh, uh, you know, what, whatever the case may be, it's enjoyable. I think it is. I haven't had anybody who's actually watched it and said that they hate it. But whenever people trolls will get on and then they'll see that somebody gave it a five or somebody's given a 10. Now they think that they have to be, be a social justice warrior and give it a one to overcompensate. Like, I know my show is not a one. Fuck you. I did not make a one. I am not the star of a number of a one show. Like, like, yeah, three. Okay. I'll take that. Three and a half. Yeah. Now we're in the ballpark, but like, fuck you. If you really want to talk that much, I would love to see you make better. So, so it is tough. Whatever, whatever you just get ridiculed and they're like, nobody's believable. That guy was terrible. I'm like, Oh, I really thought I did a good job. Do they not like me? <laughs> it's, 
like, do not read the YouTube reviews. They will, they will bring you down. They will hurt your feelings. And then that is what the people want. They want to hurt your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let them win. <laughs> uh, With that being said, please watch. Job guys. On <laughs> Rate and review. <laughs> An honest review. <laughs> That's a that's a great segue to that shameless plug. I love it. Um, but but I, actually, I can't disagree. They talk about Debbie. I, I thought Debbie was fine in this movie. I thought she was committed. You know, she she. The I've seen way best that you could do with yeah. that part. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you could have given Meryl Streep that part, and she wouldn't have been able to do much more with it. I mean, she's mean mom, strict in in the thing. Every scene with her daughter is good, and then at the end, it was. I mean, it's just, it's bad dialogue there at the end. They're back and forth. Like, I was shocked whenever she was in on it the whole time. Like, that, I was genuinely, yeah. genuinely surprised. That's shocking. So, I was shocked, I too, about that. And, yeah, she's only in, like, three scenes the whole movie. And they're, up until the final one at the end, they're relatively short and simple. Um, but I, I was like, Rick was hard to watch. I Heather, at times, wasn't great, but I still loved her character, and she's gorgeous. So, I, I you know, of course, I'll, for, you know, let that slide a bit. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Overall, it's uh, but with us saying that, going back and forth, that's it's our our take on it. So, what is your final impressions or opinions of RC Blood? What what what's your final say on the movie? We'll start with Kevin. Well, um, I mean, yeah. obviously, it was you know, it it is exactly what you're signing up for. It's a it's a take on a slasher flick. They you could tell that they they did almost everything practical, which you which you have to appreciate. The effects were there. Everybody died that you wanted to. So, you know, you hope for a little bit better payoff and the characters to mean a little bit more. But all in all, yeah, it was a bad movie. It was a, it was a bad movie. I would not recommend it to anybody who's who's not a fan of bad horror. But if you're a fan of bad horror, then cool. Check it out. You will you will be slightly entertained and you don't have to pay much attention or take it serious. But yeah, bad so, movie. <laughs> so, all right. So what we do, I'm going to make you pick one. Is, are you, would you could you? For horror people, yes, but so is it so bad it's good or so bad it's scary for you? Yes, what what you can say? Watch it once or watch it, just skip it. We got um, it is something I would not recommend watching it by yourself or taking it too serious. Like I say, uh, if you're if you're a serious connoisseur, do not sit there and watch it expecting something good. Watch it with somebody and laugh and make comments. It's definitely one that they could use some commentary if there was. Uh, if there's three people sitting in a room laughing at, or if you make a, make a drinking game out of one of those, it's uh, <laughs> it's all, almost so bad. It's good because you could tell that it was, uh, it was just not, not something that, that you, you, you would want to like be proud of. Like I want them to, I hope that the filmmakers do watch. So like, yeah, that was fun. Like we knew what we were doing because I had a, the first, I think it was the very first horror movie that I ever did. I remember it was funny. We premiered it on Halloween night. And I went to went to this way. It was called Crybaby. I don't think it ever came out. Um, sadly, the the director passed not much after it. But but I played a cop and I auditioned for the role. Got the you know got got the part. Went to filming and I remember there was even a scene where I was supposed to like drop a gas can because I was supposed to gas somebody and I had no gas can. So I just did like a slide of hand and kind of turned my back to camera and pretended like I pulled a gas can out of my ass, I guess. And then just kind of like, like dropped it. And then they just added the sound effect and I'm reading the script. I was like, okay, well, when are we going to do the second part of the scene? They're like, Oh, we already filmed that. I go, what do you mean we are? Cause we go down into a sewer and I'm like, what do you mean you already filmed it? They're like, Oh yeah, we did that with another actor and um, he wasn't available today. So we called you and you know, you had a uniform that kind of looked like his and you know, you kind of look like him. I'm like, so I'm playing the same character that, 
now that I've dropped the gas and I've entered this tunnel, now it's a different guy. And then we went to this to the movie theater to see it. And I have no idea. I just filmed one day on it. So I go to the movie theater and it was kind of like that scene from the disaster artist that people start laughing. And then by by the end, we're we're just laughing our asses off because it was so bad. It was like this crybaby killer. It was this big guy that like they called him a crybaby whenever he was a child. So it was kind of like a Michael Myers type thing where so just by them making fun of him by bullying, he went into an insane asylum. But then he grew up to be like six foot nine and 400 pounds. And now he just brutally murders everyone just with his bare hands. And then he even like ripped a guy's arm off and slapped him with it. And it was totally nice. a fake arm. I mean, it was, it, it was hilarious. And then it was like the disaster in the sense that the director, he thought that he was making a real scary movie. And then he realized that the crowd interaction and he's just like, he got up there for the speech afterwards. He's like, well, that's not the response I was hoping for, but y'all seem to enjoy it. I've never seen so many people <laughs> laugh at a horror movie before. And it was it was like that. And I love that he embraced it. He was like, yeah, good. Yeah, yep, there it is. Terrible movie. Thanks. Thanks for coming. You'll never see it because it's never going to get distribution. It's that bad. So. Uh, oh, bummer. All right. So I'm going to say are you, I'm going to put it down. So bad. Scary then overall. You're, like, for, there you go. All right. We'll yeah, that, that's pretty good. All right, Aaron, what, what's your what's your final take? You know, I I, <laughs> I kind of enjoyed the movie at times, but I just feel like it just needed a little more heart. It was uh, like the dialogue wasn't bad. Uh, it's kind of like, but it just seemed like I think Kevin kind of nailed it. It's like you could tell that they just did one take. If they were able to sharpen it up a little bit, better, it could have been really good. Um, and it didn't have very much humor at all. You really didn't get a chance to breathe and kind of like have a moment of levity. It was always pretty serious and people were mean and people were getting killed it's like i need a little huh, i need a little laugh i need a little levity you know give me give me some comic relief not one character was comic relief no that's a good point um, that's a great point yeah and uh but but on the other side it is a horror movie the kills are pretty decent the special effects were well done for an indie horror movie but I just, I just could, I didn't like anybody. Even, even Heather, or, or you know, our final girl. I wasn't, I really didn't care. You know, I really didn't feel like a good connection to any of the characters. So I'm gonna say, uh, so bad it's scary. This one you could skip. I mean, if you really want to check it out, yeah, it's got its moments here and there. But I'm gonna say, you know, leave it on, leave it on, leave it in the queue. All right. Um, for me, I'll, I'm gonna just retouch on some of the things you all, both of you guys said that I, I do really agree with. Um. Aaron, I think you made a great point that this, I just because we just did our spoof horror movie. We just did our coming off our spoof bonus episode where we talked about humor and horror. Uh, and normally, there's always at least one comic relief character, the the, the the you know the class clown, the prankster, somebody. There's always there's some kind of moment of levity and, and humor in these somewhere. And this one really had none. There's really no funny lines. There's no jokes. There's which is really odd for this movie. And for you would think for uh, high school, you know, it's so serious all the time um, that I, I, that's really an odd thing. I think it's lacking, very lacking in this movie. And, and it, it's very obvious in this movie. I think it's, it is because one of the reviewers I read, it says, I think it takes itself too seriously. There's not enough love. There's not enough humor or light moments in this, in, in this at all. Um, but I, I do think they did, you know, the kills are decent. Uh, there's nothing revolutionary. It's not like we never some kill we never seen before. Something really cool. It's pretty run of the mill kills we all seen, but they're done fine. So there's nothing wrong there. What 
makeup effects and gore effects are are done well. There's little of it, but it's done well. Um, there's the chase scene with Heather I thought was good. The lighting there, the, the barn lighting was actually pretty decent, this blue lighting. Um, but I'm going to say overall, like, again, like, like Aaron said, you guys both, uh, and Kevin, I think you said too, the characters aren't very likable. Uh, other than H Hannah and maybe Heather, uh, everybody else is kind of, and Bubba has a few moments. Robin's okay, but most, the vast majority of people you just don't care about. They're, they're not good. You don't really root for them. Um, the twist ending is, eh, okay. Like the mom being in on it and the stepdad, okay, the, that's fine. But I think overall, it's kind of going to fall into that. It's not terrible. Like when you can watch it, you can get through it. It's fine. It is what it is. But for me, it's going to fall into that forgotten category it's just gonna get messed you know confused with everything else and just kind of get lost in the shuffle uh, and because of that um it wasn't bad enough to make it stand out and make like tear a blood fart leg or where you could laugh and, and, and enjoy it so i am gonna say so bad it's scary because it's gonna be kind of lost in the shelf and forgotten about and it doesn't really break any new ground having real rememberable scenes or moments that are gonna make like yeah i need to rewatch the movie for this scene or for this character um so we're going to clean sweep it here. Three, uh, all three are saying so bad, scary for varsity blood. Um, yeah, I'm a little, kind of surprised, but you know, it is what it is. Um, with that said, we're going to start wrapping things up. Uh, Kevin, again, I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're a really busy guy to sit down and do with this. Was, I, you were a blast. You were really great. I loved having you on. You uh, it was absolutely wonderful. Um, if there's anything else you want to go ahead that I skipped over in the beginning, but if anything you really want to plug right now, uh, that's going on. Uh, go ahead and lay it on us and tell tell us what you got coming down the pipeline and uh, what's going on. Yeah, cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, I think you covered everything earlier. I'll go ahead and hit the highlights real quick. Uh, Funny Ass Show is uh, Future Man on Hulu. That's the Seth Rogen produced show. I play Blaze in it. All three seasons are available on Hulu. And then I'm currently being uh, airing, they're doing season seven of Tyler Perry's The Haves and the Have Nots. I play a much more serious character in that one. So if you're into the primetime soap opera style show that is on the Oprah Winfrey Network, that's the haves and the have nots. And then, uh, yeah, 16 bits. It's my character, Wax Waster. Please give it a follow on, on Facebook, Instagram. It's either 16 bits or Wax Waster. You should be able to find it through both. Such a fun character. You guys are going to have that on your show, I hope, because it's going to be right up the alley. We're doing with it on a fraction of what the budget of tonight's movie costs <laughs> and with uh, with actors that are probably about it, hopefully just a little bit better. But uh, made it with a bunch of my friends. Great people. Should be a lot of fun. Our effects people are, are having fun with it. Just so much fun. So hopefully Wax Waster will will uh, grace your your guys's one day, and then uh, Job Guys on Amazon is my action comedy uh, series. It's a it's a good show. It's a fun time. Episodes are only 10, 12 minutes, so it's a real it's bingeable. You could watch the whole thing. It's like a it's basically like the length of a feature film by the time you get done with it. So it's not something that's going to take you weeks or months to watch. So please watch that, and then yeah, a couple others that are that are coming out, but nothing really that comes to mind right now. Some of the classic old bad horror movies that i've been in were death house and death day which was the campus redubbed death day when we went into well, distribution i couldn't, I couldn't so remember the name of it that. i i know campus yeah, yeah name, i couldn't remember because i got bamboozled yeah, by that. i bought that thing twice i bought it twice right? I bought it, yeah i bought it as campus because like i knew you were like oh Cameron Cowboy. I, I, yeah i'm gonna buy it and like oh i got death day coming all right cool i'll buy that too i started watching like wait a minute this seems oddly familiar 
Wait a minute. Seems, yeah. Wait a I minute. Like I'm <laughs> stuck in the campus. It's all all happening again. But yeah, so so some fun stuff there. So yeah, if you're into that type of thing, some other ones. There's like Dead Cruelty, Welcome to Hell. There's all sorts of crazy horror stuff that you could find me in. But uh, check out my IMDb. There's uh yeah, there, there's a lot of them. It's long. So uh, yeah. Speaking of horror, uh, <laughs> one thing I did forget to mention, I'm going to bring up now because one, Wax Wessler and 16 Bit. I'm super excited to see that. That looks so much fun. I'm really I can't I do thoroughly want to watch that series. That I'm look really super for. And I think I saw on your Facebook you got like a pop figure made after you. Somebody made like a, a Funko pop or something like that of wax wax. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That's right. Yeah. We, 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 I want, I want an action figure. And if I got to settle for one of those fun pop dolls, then Hey, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a stepping stone. Eventually it will be the action figure. You know, I don't think that they quite got my chiseled physique right. And <laughs> in the, in the, in the pop doll, you know, they don't quite get the definition in there. You know, all, all, all the training that I do, you know, with all my, Mr. Muscle Beach titles and everything, and yet, uh, yet my my body looks like everybody else's. What's up? With that? <laughs> um, I, there's one other horror movie I want to mention. I forgot to mention the beginning, but coming up on we're you know two months away from our Christmas movie uh, month long or Christmas movie season at Aaron Loves. Uh, you were in Ugly Sweater Party, uh, the Christmas uh, uh, yes. Christmas movie, Ugly Sweater Party. <laughs> so maybe if we can work out, maybe. Uh, down the road, we can have you back on and we can do a watch along episode for uh, for our Patreon yes. listeners with you an ugly sweater party. That could be fun. Maybe we work that out. I'm not, I'm not obviously not holding it to you yes, now. I, there. Yeah, like, I, I would love to. Yeah, my uh, I'm close with a lot of the actors too. In fact, it's the same director that did Ugly Sweater Party is doing Wax Waster. We met on. I met him at a horror convention at a monster palooza. And then, and then he, he cast me in ugly sweater party. And then on set, we just, we just got talking. And this guy, um, you guys should have him on names, Aaron Mento. He like every movie that I see that you guys do are the same movies that I've watched with him. Like I remember we watched hack o lantern together. Then I listened <laughs> to you guys do it. And there's just so many of these other ones. Like this is totally his genre. So it's like absolutely perfect for it. Would love to be on uh, the Ugly Sweater Party episode. We'd love to do a watch along with yeah, you guys. We're so many uh, Christmas movies we gotta get to, sure. but yeah, if we could do a watch along with that, with like yeah, if you, you and like if you get the director on, we could do a watch along. Um, that could be a lot of fun and something we could do also in, in, when it come Christmas time. That would be awesome. Um, again, I want to say again one more time. Thank you. Know I said, but thank you so much for taking time out. It was awesome having you. Uh, you consider you a friend of the show. I love having you know your good friend. I'd like to think of a good friend of ours now. Um, Aaron, anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? You uh, got you anything you want to get out there? Well, I just want to say again, also thank you, thank you very much, Kevin. Appreciate it. Um, really, really looking forward to 16 bit. Um, you know, it's it, from what I understand, what it looks like, it's it's a video game character come to life and he is just fucking people up. So I'm oh, looking yeah. forward to that. I'm really looking yeah, forward. I love to the that. premise. It's, I think that's gonna be so funny and so enjoyable to watch. It's a fantastic premise. I'm I'm very excited about that. Um, especially since we're, I'm getting back into old video games, you know, this 16 bit style. I'm, I've lately, I've been playing a lot of those. It's just kind of fun, but, uh, yeah, man, really appreciate it. Um, keep, keep pumping out those muscle beach titles. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks again. All right, man. That's good. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, so, all right, listeners, thank you very much. Moogoods for listening. You know, you love you. We appreciate you till we're back next time. Remember watch more horror movies and you know what to do. Like Kevin Calvert and his abs, you always keep it tight. <laughs>